Hello folks and thank you for joining me for a new episode of My Big Fat Mouth. This one is a bit of a special episode as we are going to be doing it live. So what you're about to hear is a couple of hours of chat between four friends who are all from the mini painting community. Lovely, lovely people and I hope you're going to enjoy it. YouTube is saying that we're live so I think we're probably live folks. I think that... I think Hello. that means that it it might be time to start talking. Hopefully, hopefully, people that are watching will type in the chat to tell us that that we are live and that the feed is clean and yeah, that it's all it's all going well. We, we are. You've checked. It's all good. Yeah. Right. Excellent. So, welcome everybody to the very very first episode of My Big Fat Mouth Live. Um, this I, I I had this idea kind of out of my ass. Uh, I wanted to do something special for the tenth episode. I wanted to gather some other members of the community together for a lovely little chat. And so I just thought to myself, do you know what? This will probably be really good fun to do live. So here we are. Uh, some of these faces you may recognize. I know one of them has appeared in a video recently. One of them has definitely been on the vodcast before. So folks, my lovely guests, why don't you take a minute to introduce yourselves, let everyone know who you are, and uh, you know maybe a, a couple of words about yourself if that's the kind of thing you're into. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I mean, you already started, so. Okay, ladies first. Okay, so hi everyone. I'm Emma Partlow. Um, you may know me from the Magic the Gathering side of things. So I cover Budget Modern for TCG Player Infinite. Um, I have an article that comes out every Tuesday and I also do a Budget Modern podcast. Um, in my spare time, I really enjoy Warhammer and I'm painting a load of Death Guard at the moment because they look really, really cool. Yeah, they do. And absolutely crushing it, might I add. Thanks. Go on then, who's next? <laughs> Take your pick. Yeah, hi. I'm uh, Victor Orstadius Fonsati, and uh, I'm not on the internet, or I don't have an internet presence. <laughs> hey, you stream, been, uh, you stream, don't lie. I, yeah, I used to <laughs> quite a while ago now, but uh, I've been in the wholesome degenerate community, as it's so finely named, for quite a long time now. I was modding on your Twitch channel before you stopped that, and now you also fool tricked me into starting Warhammer. So here I did, we are. I did somehow accidentally trick you into that. I, I don't quite know how that happened. Uh, yeah, no, Victor, yeah. Victor's an, uh, a long, long-suffering friend of mine who has helped me out many, many times uh, with, with various aspects of my career. And now he, he mods my Discord. And uh, yeah, as he says, we, we did somehow manage to trick him into Warhammer. <laughs> so the mystery person who none of you will probably recognize is the, the lovely chap in the top left. So uh, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm David Inglis. I'm a former has-been slash never was from the Magic community. <laughs> um, I've been I've played Warhammer since fourth edition, so far too long ago. I've dipped in and out, but now I guess I've decided to commit during COVID, which is probably the perfect time for a tabletop game. I, I love this. He calls himself a has-been, probably <laughs> never was in the Magic community. Didn't you captain Team UK at Worlds? I think Captain Team UK, but I I was there. You I were on Team hard. UK at Worlds, okay? So so you know, probably a bit of a reach to call yourself a never was. He's he's got Everyone that pedigree, okay? He's got that pedigree. Uh, so um, right, look, this this is we're doing this live. Uh, oh, we paint minis is in the chat. Hello, buddy. Hello, thank you for tuning in. Um, so because we're doing this live obviously a lot of these sections are probably going to take a bit longer than usual especially because there's four of us to answer all of them so i'm going to try my best now to not mess up 
this very delicate bit of technological transition work, we're going to go straight into our first section, which is where I ask, what have you been up to? So, uh, what do you, what have you been up to, mate? What have you been up to? And we're back. Did that work? Did that actually work? Did it look good? I don't know. I have no idea. Hopefully I didn't completely mess that up. Suspense. <laughs> right. So um, I'll tell you what we're going to do. For the for the sake of making it look nice for the lovely people watching, what I'll do is I will ask each of you in the order that you appear on screen and we'll, we'll catch up a little bit on what you've been doing hobby-wise and then we'll finish on me because that way I can go into the next section nice and easily. So, David, why don't you tell us first, uh, what have you been up to hobby-wise, my friend? What have you been doing with yourself? So I've been writing lots of army lists for Harlequins, which sounds really weird to do because they have about two units. Yeah, yeah, like um, three yeah, models to choose from. Yeah, it's tough, like working out which two out of three. Yeah. Um, I've been repainting my army because it was too chaotic, which again sounds weird for Harlequins. No, but no, I've no, they're nice totally chaos worshippers. <laughs> oh, I know. I love some chaos. Ninth doesn't chaos. death guard. Um, but... Yeah, I've just been repainting some Harlequins in a nice scheme that I shared in the lovely, wholesome Degenerates. And yeah, that's been it really, just repainting Harlequins. That that colour scheme is actually... So I've, I've never seen Harlequins approach that way before. Um, what David did... I don't know whether you've got a photo and you can screen share. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing you're able to do. If you are at any point able to do that, you're more than welcome to do so because all it's going to do is replace the viewer's view of your face with a view of your screen. So if you've got photos you want to show, just obviously show them that way. Uh, but basically... Um, what David did was, it's primarily like a black and white scheme, which is uh, uh, with, with like flashes of red. And it's really reminiscent to me of like um, medieval house jester kind of fool sort of vibe. You know, like, um, I think it was like the Jacobite era? Maybe like I'm, I'm shit at yeah. history. I don't know. Yeah, where, where, yeah, where, where like, like the court, the, the black, white, and red court jester was like a thing. Which ironically harley quinn the dc heroine um she also is in black red and white so you got some dc nods there accidentally if you're into that or was it accidentally was it accidentally um, or was it yeah. my initial plan for harlequins was to paint every i actually never thought i did a full army of harlequins because um i'm not a wonderfully talented painter and i think elderin needs to look nice and clean yeah i know i'm not gonna put myself down or bad um but anyway um, the idea was to paint like a bunch of different um, like superhero schemes and okay. villains. Um, so I guess maybe like Trent um, came over from that. But actually, like I really liked the art on tarot cards. So I saw a deck of was done like black and white, and that's where I took my inspiration from. That's like the full. That's actually really, really clever. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, finding inspiration for your paint jobs from, like, things that you see around you. You know, from, from grabbing something that you see in real life and saying, yeah, I can turn this into a paint scheme and it'll be rad. In fact, at some point, that might be an idea for a fun, uh, for a fun community challenge. We're just wrapping up our first community contest over in the Wholesome Degenerates, where uh, the challenge was just to paint something using one of my tutorials and to, and to write a little bit about it. But um, for the next community challenge, maybe we'll have to do a, um, a paint a color scheme based on a real life object, something that you, that you own, and see what crazy things people pick. Like, like, you know, we've got Space Marines painted in the style of a fucking shoe or something. 
Uh, I, I want to see a Space Marine Croc. A Space Marine Croc. <laughs> it would have to be Alpha Legion, presumably. Oh, for sure. Because like Crocs are the most <laughs> degenerate and untrustworthy shoes. So presumably... Or, or you can go with the British faux part of socks and sandals. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know how that would translate to Warhammer, but I imagine there is something there. The white and beige. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely sounds like it could be a thing. Uh, Emma, why don't you go next? Tell us what you've been up to. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't done a huge amount as I liked because I've been quite busy with the whole magic content and having a full-time job. Um, however, I've taken a few days off work, so come this weekend, I will be doing some kit bashing. So at the moment, I am kit bashing... Death Guard Plague Marines with Petri Blight Kings from Age of Sigma and mashing them up together and making some really cool looking Nurgle models. I don't, don't have any photos at the moment because I haven't had the time. But yeah, that's going to be my job for this weekend. We did see, in I think in the in the Wholesome Degenerates Discord, we did see some of your early work on that, if I remember rightly, when you sort of first started yeah, pushing like, them together. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago. So I've just been so busy. It's been on the back burner. But, but more will come. Then built. More will definitely come, but yeah, like the Putrid Vikings kit is just so nice. There's so many cool different things you can do, and you've got a couple of size in there, and you can just go really ham with it. I, I can't help but notice Nurgle kits seem to just have like so much reuse value. Like every every bit that you don't use in a Nurgle kit is usually perfect conversion f fodder for another Nurgle yeah, kit. This this is it and you get all the Nurgle iconography especially with the Petri Viking stuff so you can just repurpose it and like I eventually I'll get some vehicles for 40k so that they will just look really nice decorated as well for sure um, a big, yeah that's one thing I love about Death Guard they're all just really unique they're not no model is the same it's not quite uniform it's not like the Space Marines for example they've just got a lot of characters in them yeah it's one of those things isn't it like you can you can absolutely just take normal like Mark III or Mark IV Space Marines, paint them up as Death Guard Legionaries, and that will look fine. That will look good. You could even make that look amazing. But equally, you can go for this approach with Death Guard where there's literally never a repeat miniature. And for some reason, yeah. it still looks cohesive because of all that ugliness. It just yeah, it's, it's still just looks really like nice. one thing. Yeah, so they're really unique, and um, I really enjoy painting more than playing. So sure. the fact that you got this really unique-looking army means I can spend a lot of time on it, and they'll look quite good. Yeah, um, and they'll all look different. It sounds like a good time. It sounds like a pretty good time. <laughs> Fonzie, yeah, let's uh, let's hear about what you've been up to, my friend, because I know you've been very, very busy. Yeah, well, in a sort of semi-long-term sort of thing. Uh, so I picked the hobby up two months ago. Since then, I got two K points of painted marines done lovely purple things uh i still can't believe you just smashed through a 2k army in two months it's fucking yeah, but, well, I, I had a lot of spare time like uh i was starting i started a new job in the middle of september was last month i, I know time <laughs> <laughs> and like up until that point i didn't have much to do like i had a few gap weeks there so just like uh tried the hobby challenge thing and did stuff every day and i think i averaged like one mini a day in the end that's good yeah i think right yeah i think you did pretty good in the end you know all, all, all things considered like when when you bear in mind that you were picking it up from not brand new to it but from like being extremely rusty with painting um yeah. you were kind of some of the planning you were doing on the fly with that army i know you know like some of your unit choices and stuff you didn't make up front did you you 
yeah you kind no, of it was very like uh like you mentioned uh earlier like uh yeah i, I was getting the start collecting box and then sitting in battle scribe for ages like <laughs> i could have this unit or this unit we've got a, a, a drawling in the chat saying hello everybody wave to drawling he's uh, a regular <laughs> in the in the discord community who's who's been around for a long time so um, sort of fluctuated and expanded like oh this is a cool kit this is a cool kit yeah i know like you fell in love with the invicta um pretty early on didn't you and yeah, then you happened like, to win one in a contest yeah i did which was, was the first which <laughs> was kind of lucky kind of lucky he decided that he really yeah. loved one and then he just went and summarily won one in one of my giveaways yeah. so there. kind of there it is. Oh, that's yeah. sick. The model's so nice. It's Very really nice. cool. It's really cool. I have to say, like, the, the nipple uh, Icarus uh, <laughs> Iron Hail stubbers, the, the, the little, like, rock-hard nipple stubbers, um, they kind of offend me a little bit, but I'm also totally here for them at the same time. Are you just jealous? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mostly because I have this problem where only one of my nipples is, like, always hard and the other one isn't, so I will never have <laughs> the Iron Hail stubber nipples. It just, it will never happen for me. <laughs> Yeah, you might not like it, but this is what peak perfection. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so I, I, I suppose I suppose I've got to uh, bore you all with with what I've been up to as well, which is kind of odd because, of course, due to YouTube, you kind of get to see what I've been up to. Uh, I only tend to film videos a week in advance at the most, um, but I have been working on a project that has really inspired me recently, which is uh, converting and painting a Nurgle Demon Prince, uh, which was yeah. kit-bashed together with a Nurgle Plague Drone, mm -hmm. and and that also belongs to uh, to that that gentleman over there, that that one. Um, but I tell you, that's been really interesting for me because. It forced me to break out the modelling putties, the green stuff and the white milliput, and that's something I've not done for a really, really long time. So it ended up being this whole, like, creative dive into something that I have kind of missed doing but have not had good purpose to do i guess because like if i'm painting miniatures for myself i have to be quick you know because i've got to like squeeze them in around commissions and shit like that so i can't i can't go like doing these you know five to ten hour sculpt jobs on a miniature for myself i just i can't justify that time um and what i gather from you as well like if you're gonna spend 10 hours on the like centerpiece of your army from talking to you and stuff like you'd rather spend about 10 hours on painting yeah absolutely absolutely just because you know at the end of the day like it doesn't it doesn't really matter that you get paid to do a thing or that it's your job the time spent honing your craft and, and learning and improving is still it's it's still so valuable in fact if anything maybe it's more valuable because you know if i spend 10 hours working really really hard on a miniature for a centerpiece for my army and i learn stuff and i level up as a result of that that's also made me better at my job so having a piece where i could really sort of do some of that learning and leveling up and and really deep diving into skills and you know kind of analyzing my own skill set and pushing myself in that sense was very very interesting for me because a lot of the time you know on a commission it is you, you sort of have to play it safe you kind of you have to do things that you know you're good at already and this was a commission like from a friend who just says to me like look you know i know you're not 100 percent comfortable with this but i want you to do it so just do it get it done and yeah that's also my solution for converting death guard things you ask this one <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it, i mean look i'm i'm fine with it but no it was it was really really good fun it was very interesting um and the other thing that i finished up recently was a primaris chaplin um the one from the indomitus box that everyone seems to overlook the you know, it's really nice it's a lovely model everyone likes the one in the yeah. big flowy jacket but everyone sort yeah. of and then everyone loves the um, judicia everyone kind of overlooks the the bald-headed guy with the faceplate the one that looks like kano from mortal kombat yeah i mean yes Especially the head on that guy is so good. It is literally mm -hmm. Kano from Mortal Kombat. Like, yeah. entirely. Now, now, I have, now I have Mortal Kombat, the, the starting song in my head. You know, <laughs> 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 right, shall we, um, shall we attempt to do this this sexy scene transition thing again and, and, and make it work again and, and impress everybody with our incredible technical skills? Shall we, uh, shall we go through into a new section? Yeah. Okay, so section yeah. two of the podcast is where I ask my guests, what are you high on right now? <sighs> yeah, what am I high on right now? And we are back. I think I've actually managed to do it properly twice in a row. I think that was smooth. <laughs> so, folks, uh, what are you high on right now? This is a section where uh, we talk about the things that are making you buzz, the things that are making you happy, the things that are keeping you inspired in the hobby right now. So, uh, let's go back to let's go back to David and, uh, and 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 tell me all about it. What's uh, what's what's doing it for you right now? Just generally how mindfuls is a game like. When I got back into Warhammer, it was in the Dark Age of Seventh, as I believe it's referred to. Yeah, people are um, not uh, not fans of Seventh. It's a, it's quite an unpopular edition. Yeah, last I played, it was Seven, and then I quit. Yeah, it, especially coming from like Fourth and Fifth, it was like I've come out of this time machine. It's like, yeah, this is how we play now. Uh, the things you don't pay for, you get for free, and it was the weirdest edition I ever thought. But like, from because I'm quite competitive in my hobbies. Um, Ninth seems to have like fins for everyone. Like I love the missions; they're really well written. Mm -hmm. um, the game just seems to really like be able to appeal to like most people now, which is awesome. Like as someone who loves the creativity as well as being competitive, which is quite unusual. I find it's like ninth as a whole just looks great. Like their games workshop are big into feedback; they're willing to make changes. They've consulted very good tournament players, and the game just like. It feels good, like, a big problem I had when I started playing again in 8th properly is when I was playing the quite popular um, Possessed Bomb. Yeah. And, like, when you're explaining it, it's like, you're embarrassed to explain how your army works. It's like, I'm kind of cheating you. <laughs> like, you just, you just don't get to play. And that's, like, that's rubbish. Like, that's really bad from, like, a, a game design when, like, you're sitting down against your opponent who's new and it's like, oh, actually, you don't get to do anything because here's a big load of rules and ninth seems to have very well stepped away from that which is great like, that's good for the competitive player the casual player the in-between so I, really I, I get like, the feeling that with ninth a lot of the errata that we're going to see as the edition goes on is going to be more just like clarifications of stuff things that have just been you know they need to kind of be made a little bit easier to understand um yeah. but i don't think we're gonna at least at this very early stage it doesn't feel like we're gonna see any of those big heavy-handed nerfs that are necessary like the ones that made possess bomb not viable like the ones that made knights a lot worse and like the ones that made iron hands castle not a thing anymore you know those those big interventions are probably going to be less common now I think what I've noticed coming from fourth to all the way to eighth and like missing the middle is like the game is more for everyone now. 
like even yeah. at tournament level like i think because 40k has become more popular it's grown it appeals to like a wide array of um people like my partner on our second date went to warhammer world and she'd never heard of warhammer and That's a great second out, thank you she That's agreed <laughs> Um, but like she was like this is really cool and like I was like well this is how you play and like the game's got it's much easier to pick up as like someone who's new to games um, like before my partner had never she'd never played a, like a she played like Monopoly and stuff but she never played anything remotely like tactical or competitive and like 8th and ninth have really stepped into that this is for everyone and more inclusive mm-hmm. and I think they've done it like this like honestly like there's some mistakes like things get broken because I think people forget that play design groups are very small and they're battling the whole world. And For that, sure. The whole world's a lot more people. Um, also, what makes a good designer doesn't necessarily make the best competitive player. Like, it's really hard to get that balance. But where 8th and ninth are going, and I hope they continue to go, is like that it's for everyone. Like, you can have fun with like a variety of lists like obviously some lists are gonna there's gonna be the best list the yeah best, there always is there always is yeah, yeah but what i've what i've seen like uh, this is obviously very much from my subjective view but still the like um the range between like the best and the worst or like a cutting edge competitive army and a casual i play the models i like like the gap seems way less to me than i remember it being and that may just be sentimental but no, no I think I, that's definitely true. yeah it, it it feels that way it feels like it, it, in order to really build a do nothing list in this edition you have to like be purposefully trying to not play the game you know it, it's if your army contains troops that can secure objectives and big guns that can destroy heavily armored targets you stand a chance you know and and like who's building an army that doesn't include some combination of troops and big guns that's you know that's literally what an army is to most people you know it's like a couple of characters some troops and some big guns so i think people are being rewarded for being uh creative when it comes to you know optimizing their armies and and thinking in a in a tournament viability kind of mindset but i think people are also being rewarded for their creativity and just exploring what's fun and still doesn't get its ass handed to it um you know it's it's cool that we're seeing like um after the aggressor nerf for example uh, a lot of the chat has been well you know i think aggressors are still slightly better than terminators for example and people are saying yeah but terminators are just fucking cooler so i'm gonna take terminators <laughs> and it's like that's yeah, that's I mean, lovely i got it's... a second box of aggressors a week before feels <laughs> bad bro yeah, no, but like, still, like yeah they got nerfed they're a lot worse they're half as good as they were previously basically but still like so many codexes will still love to have a unit like that so i really shouldn't complain still and i'm yeah. gonna field six of them like, i mean at the end of the day like it's still a three to six model unit that puts down a fucking hail of fire and uh all specs tactics very recently uh a day or two ago published a video where he looked at um essentially how many wounds the unit is likely to cause per hundred points and he compared um the hurricane bolter equipped centurions aggressors with bolt storm gauntlets and a raw config terminator squad and he looked at you know per 100 points of efficiency um and actually like 
it's like it's still very clear that aggressors are the best unit but it's close enough that if terminators are just more fun to you you can just play terminators and the numbers just aren't far enough apart that it's gonna matter too much because at the end of the day like it's a fucking dice game right you know you're you're, you're never gonna if you roll 8d4 uh, 8d6s you're never gonna roll four four pluses every single time that's just like even though the statistics say every time you roll 8d6 four of them will be a four up that's not what's ever going to happen that's never going to be actually how your game plays out and so like in 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 how it impacts our play experience we never really feel shitty by taking a unit that's like five percent less efficient than the best unit yeah i think i think something else about the game is like the game looks nicer now like the lists look like what you probably think of in 40k yeah like transports being good is like awesome they should be good that's like so glad to me like the game's about rhinos wave serpents and yeah and specifically for space marine players firstborn transports actually being good again is like such a big deal because obviously primaris transports they're really fucking expensive comparatively you know for 120 points i can get a razorback that will carry six firstborn marines and have two fucking last cannons on the back of it like that's pretty great for 120 points yeah, for sure. Uh, right, shall we? Shall we move on to Emma? Emma, what are you high on right now? What's What's doing it for you? Um, yeah, so I've had a little break from Warhammer, so I haven't seen a huge amount or been involved in a lot. However, I'm quite excited for the Lord of Virulence model, and I just want a release date, like right now, please. So I'd like I, to buy it. I don't think I've seen that miniature for some reason. Look I... at it; it it, it yeah. looks incredible. You're missing out. I, I feel like a new Nurgle miniature should be a thing that I've seen, and somehow yes. I've had my head so because buried in other stuff. We, apparently, we don't have enough Nurgle characters, so we've got, we're getting more. It, it, is Nurgle is like the fucking <laughs> HQ army these days, isn't it? It's like it was the same thing that it happened with Space Wolves at one point. Space Wolves had all the fucking HQ in the world, and now for mm. some reason it's like Nurgle's thing now. They just have all the sweet HQ, and I love it. I'm here for yes. it. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the one thing I'm high on at the moment. Um, I'll be getting that on release day, and you know, probably kit bashing it in some way. But yeah, that, that's what I'm high on at the moment. Nice, Fonzie. Uh, yeah, what am I high on? There's this new book that came out. That is today. quite a good new book, and I'm slightly jealous that you're the <laughs> first one to have got their copy of it. I think mine should arrive today, but it might not arrive till Monday, and I'm a little bit hurt by that. Yeah, that's a hack of living. First of all, a country that isn't completely locked down, but going to the physical stores. Or, yeah. And like, whenever I can, I go to physical stores because I hate waiting for shipments. Like, I'm so. <laughs> I want that instant gratification. I, I gave you my money, now I want stuff. Like, yeah, you see, see this, is, this is why I use Amazon for so much of my hobby related shit, is because it's just like I click and then the next day it turns up on my doorstep and I'm a happy boy. <laughs> yeah. We don't have decent amazon here but but codex space marines is uh is doing it for you huh yeah and i'm gonna play uh well my second game of nine tomorrow but my first game with uh the new codex nice and i fear i will have to pick up the pen and paper and write down my army list now has the um (laughs) has the raven guard list undergone a lot of changes as a result of the codex uh well they're I used to play like a successor chapter, uh, but mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to go straight Raven Guard Bay. The general thing has been slightly nerfed. From being 12 inches, you get light cover, and if you're on terrain, you get uh, dense cover. Now it's 18 inches away, light cover. Yeah. 
and 12 inches in terrain you get dense cover so it's i think a bit worse but it could it's it, it comes back to that thing, thing doesn't it, it of like even when space marines get nerfed they're still space marines your fucking average yeah. troop is still a three up ballistic skill three up save and mm -hmm. strength and toughness four like your your normal troop is still better than everyone else's and it now has two yeah. wounds as well you know so it's like yeah, and like i used to run the stealthy monster artisan but now like i could pick that and that would be fine but they've really balanced or nerfed the good successor chapter things because like now i'm sitting looking for them like i could go for that or that or that like to me it doesn't seem clear cut anymore and with that in mind like yeah i'll just go the regular raven guard then and not yeah. pay command points for my relics it seems kind of fine. It seems kind of fine. I also I, I dig the um I dig the upgrades to HQ miniatures costing points now, not CP. I'm a fan yeah, of that. Yeah, I love it. Just Space Marines, just yeah, like it. it's a CP hungry army. Like if you're if you're playing a Primaris heavy army, like you're gonna want those two CP on hand for transhuman and stuff like that. And it's like. Yeah if you you know like for me with ultramarines there's a bunch of strategies all to do with like getting extra shots out of your, your units and stuff like that it's like you you want those cp on hand so um yeah, reworking like, the game <laughs> in such a way that it doesn't punish you for like wanting to use those those stratagems regularly mm -hmm. is fucking cool yeah i think it's a great game design change in general like it really like feels like a thing you should be paying points not command points for it does yeah it does it's essentially a better version of the unit so you know it does and and also can we, can we just take a minute to acknowledge how fucking good the fully upgraded chaplain and apothecary are now like i seriously don't yeah. know if any yeah. of my armies should include captains now i honestly think all of my armies should be led by chaplains now yeah this thing also accidentally fell down in my i've also got one of those coming actually i have a feeling that oh, that, it looks so cool. that might end up being the new leader for my blood angels army which is a fucking shame because i'm over there looking at that uh smash captain in terminator armor that i converted and i'm like oh, i really wanted to I kill already have a regular that. old chap that i'm really happy with maybe but... i don't know i don't know maybe i'll cut a lieutenant for it instead maybe i don't know like this is actually the first bike model that i, I actively want like i have a really hard time with space marine bikes in general and not yeah. to mention the atvs they, they just they just almost always look shit but this they? one is so dope i love them <laughs> i think i'm in the minority so. <laughs> no it's it's kind of weird because it's like i like them because they're big boxy space marine bullshit but then the problem is I like them and then I see the Gene Stealer Colts Atalan Jackals and I'm like yeah. oh yeah, nice. oh was, oh, that's yeah. how it's like it's like i was i was convinced that i liked those miniatures and then i saw actual good bikes and and it's yeah. like maybe i don't like them after all I, I appreciate the big boxy things when it's for stuff that's supposed to be big and boxy like you know tanks but yeah when i think motorcycle it's not yeah i, I mean calling something a, a calling something an all-terrain vehicle and giving it about a two inch ground clearance is uh is a little bit suspicious <laughs> it's it's a little bit suspicious let's be yeah, real it feels like the asterix has a lot of uh, small fine print in that yeah. <laughs> um so you may have probably guessed this but uh my, my contribution to the to the what i'm high on right now section is is ultramarines um but for us uh, for a slightly are you are you nick Baton? No, I am not Nick Baton, but but Nick yeah. Baton has taken a bit of an interest in my Ultramarines. And, and I'll tell you what, right? So I am never going to be that guy who sits here and says, you know, oh, fucking, I don't understand why everybody 
dogs on ultramarines all the time. Like, I really, I get why people are sick of the fucking sight of them. But, here's a few things, okay? Red is a colour that I have painted a lot of recently. And I'm pretty fucking bored of it, despite the fact that I'm pretty fucking good at it. I have metallic armies on the go at the moment. I have gene stealer cults on the go at the moment that are all drabs and realistic colours. I have uh, a white Tau army on the go at the moment. Like, I have a lot of the different kind of bases covered in shit that I might want to paint on any given day. And blue, traditionally, is a colour that I'm not the best at painting. I used to always really, really struggle to highlight blue in a nice way. So that painting this Ultramarines army, like, starting work on this Ultramarines army has actually been such a refreshing step away from everything else that I'm painting. Like, conversely to most people who are sick of seeing everything blue in the world... I, like, haven't actually had a blue miniature in front of me in such a long time now. And at the same time as that really nice, refreshing feeling of getting to paint some blue miniatures, I also, I'm learning so much. Like, I actually feel quite competent at highlighting blue now, which I didn't maybe six yeah, to eight right. weeks ago. Um, I, I so it's just general like... The, oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, go you're on. like, there's too many ultramarines. I mean, the only place that you have many ultramarines is gamesworkshop.com. Like... <laughs> Right, yeah, their stock art is blue, <laughs> and a lot of the lore is it. But like out in the wild, it's quite rare because there is that stigma to it. It's one of those things, right? So with 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 Ultramarines, yes, they're on like GW and the Warhammer stuff and whatnot. I don't think I've ever met anyone that isn't like a diehard Ultramarines fan. So like no, no casuals, example, yeah. It's, 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 it's either zero or a hundred. There's never like it's a so fifty true. when it comes to Ultramarines. It's so true. Go on. That's our call, Ultramarine story. Yeah, yeah, go for it, please. Yeah. Right, so, um, my grandfather is, was, before his eyes went, was a very, very good painter. Like, really, really good. He used to win awards. He was, like, displayed as a painter. Um, and he was very pleased when I got into Warhammer because he was like, oh, I can teach my grandson my craft. Of course. However, I was awful. Um, <laughs> no clue. Like, actually, no clue. Purple and everything. Um, but he wanted to paint his own army, so he got me like an ultramarine army. But the problem was it was awful because he didn't want to paint like 30 tactical marines. It was like, yeah, I'm going to paint you one whirlwind, one land speeder, one scout squad, one tactical marine squad, one dreadnought. Like, it was great, like a complete mishmash. And he loved it, like, and so that's like the only person I've ever met who really loved ultramarines. It was a lovely army, but yeah, it's quite... Yes. Was, wasn't the most functional army but it's uh you know the 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 sentimental attachment though of you know of it being mm. painted by someone that you love is is quite a nice thing isn't it it's kind of one of the things that i look forward to like i look across at my army shelf and i think to myself you know there's a lot of miniatures there and one day like one day in the distant distant future i will get out of this and not come back to it like there, there will probably come a time right where i just I don't know. Will there? Like, will I? Will I ever stop playing war games? But I guess, I guess it's 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 a hypothetical, and I, I guess you know. Sometimes I sort of think there may come a time in life where I stop playing war games, and I'll have all these armies, and it will be so nice for someone to inherit these armies. And like, I'm looking at like Primaris stuff that's fucking brand new to us, as you know, people that are. <laughs> around and playing now and thinking to myself you know how sweet it'll be when they're like oh my god do you remember the old primaris stuff from games workshop like oh my, my, my granddad gave me like a a fucking blood angels army that's like mostly primaris stuff it's so fucking sweet you know now now they've got their like trimaris 
into fuckers or whatever they're gonna end up being called. Holographic. The base is a holographic, and then yeah. you just toggle it, and it appears. Yeah, yeah you, you can just like use like a user interface to select what chapter they're painted yeah. as and shit like that, and their loadouts yeah. and that kind of thing. No need for magnetization anymore. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like one one of the things that you rely on as a casual Warhammer player is your opponent being too poor to be able to update the war gear on their army, but being a, being anal enough that they want to play WYSIWYG. So, like, you know, their army's never quite got all of the best war gear because they they really don't have the money to like buy another version of that unit and equip it with whatever gun hasn't been nerfed into Infinity. But like, you know, at the same time, they really want to play WYSIWYG because you know that's just what you do. You play WYSIWYG. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, right. Um, I think, I think we're gonna we're gonna get onto the the maybe slightly serious section. Before I do, I did miss somebody in the chat. Jolius has joined us and is hanging out. And uh, again, Jolius is Hello. another regular from the Discord. So hey, buddy, thank you for thank you for coming to join us. Uh, so let's do another little transition now into the rant. <laughs> And we did it. And here's the great news. We're actually not going to rant today. We actually don't want to rant today. Because, as a lot of you will probably be aware, today is International uh, or World Mental Health Day. And instead of ranting, we wanted to take some time to share some stories and, and to just have a bit of a chat about mental health and how it relates to the hobby. Um, now, I don't want to put any of the pressure on one of you three to start this conversation. Um, so one of the, I think what I probably want to do is maybe end on the more positive. So maybe start with the slightly more drab side of it. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the things that I want to start off by talking about is how much the hobby can negatively impact people's mental health. Um, and I think that's an important place to start because it should be talked about, but at the same time, it also means that we can end on talking about all the great positives of the hobby and people's mental health and lift everyone back up after we've summarily depressed the shit out of them. Um, so, like, I guess from my perspective, um, where I struggle, where it's really hard for me is the hobby is also my job now. And that's a fairly recent thing um, in terms of specifically Warhammer. But my hobby being my job is not, you know, that's not new to me. Magic was my job before Warhammer was my job. And um, the the constant between those two things is that it can really, you know, it can take the shine off your hobby sometimes when you have to take it seriously all the time. Uh, when it's your job and, you know, things like the quality of the paintwork that you're selling to a customer or the way you present yourself online, the things that you say and think and do, uh, and how you put that across to the world. When those things start to matter more and they're connected to your hobby, it can be very easy for that to take the shine off the hobby. Um, and that can kind of make it difficult to use the hobby as a way of escaping. Um, I don't know how much the rest of you have experience with that, but uh, has anybody else in this conversation maybe ever been in that position before where you want to escape from the hobby or you want to escape with your hobby but kind of your obligations to the hobby kind of make it feel like another thing that's over your head instead of a thing that you you can escape with so i've had this experience not with warhammer but with magic and i totally relate to what you're saying so i write about magic every week and 
it's it's not my it's not a full-time job but it is a job that i do it's something i do on the side i get paid to do it so it does feel like work sometimes um, those lines, those lines of enjoyment and work can blur quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times where I've just not felt like playing magic because I'm just I associate it with the job I do. So it's been very hard to like, disengage and actually enjoy magic for the reasons that I started playing. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's really really tough, but um, it's just think it's just a good way just to find or at least remember why you started the hobby and what you enjoy about it, for sure. and just kind of embrace that um you don't need to do everything like in, in in the scale of warhammer you can either play on tabletop competitively you can just paint that's what i do i don't intend to play i just want to paint some really cool models because yeah. i think they're great um and you or you can just read the books you don't even have to pick up a brush or do anything you can just enjoy the law for what it is because the law is very very good um i just think it's important just to remember why you got into the hobby and the people that you enjoy talking to about it as well. It's just, it's just good to remember the positives and the initial re- like interactions you had. Of course, yeah. I think yeah. another thing that is is worth mentioning as well is the the ability to compartmentalize, to be able to separate yeah. the specific processes that relate to your job within the hobby and the things that you are doing just for your own enjoyment. Being able to keep them mentally separate can help them feel, you know from a motivational perspective maybe a little bit more separate as well sorry Fonzie did you have yeah. something you wanted to add yeah not in like a similar vein when I worked at uh, an online magic uh, like a magic shop and but we did most of a business online I think the times when I worked full time there basically was the time I played the least magic mm-hmm. as well because it's become so entangled in general I know David you've you've had magic be part of your profession before as well did you find that it was a pressure sometimes to want to play when you were around it all day at work as well i think it's different for me um i'll probably tell a bit of a story now if that's okay we love stories that's what it's all Um, about yeah so for me like identity is very important to me and so i came from quite a disadvantaged background um i went to university i went because you've probably gathered I'm not good at the confidence thing, but I went to not a great university. I was in a really bad, abusive relationship, and I just wasn't in a very good place, and I discovered magic. And while I was good academically, I didn't enjoy the university experience. It wasn't what I expected. I didn't know you could quit and switch university. So but I got into magic when I lived in the southwest of England, and I loved it, and I was quite good, like, randomly, because I was. And... But magic became everything to me. Like, it was part of my identity, and it was like, this is the only thing I do. Um, Like, when I moved to Nottingham about seven years ago, I think it's this weekend, actually, um, like, I met the competitive players, and that was a huge... It was all my life was competitive magic. And I think that I didn't act in a way that was nice because winning was very important to me, and now my relationship with magic is it's very different even before covid when i met my partner about three years ago like i wasn't ptq in every weekend i wasn't competing in everything and she was like have you ever like won much in magic i went oh i used to i used to play a lot but now i'm like a lot more casual like that i think like magic competitive magic was my whole identity and i think that's very dangerous because like 
the best players in Magic um, have like a 60% win rate, which is not very high. Like, no, that's, no. that's very low. And the game has huge amounts of variance. And when you tie yourself and your self-worth and identity to this variable um, thing, it's, it's dangerous and alarming. Like my story probably isn't too discommon for competitively minded players of games. Like you just end up on the wrong track. Now my relationship with Magic is much healthier um, I still care competitively. The game is in the greatest place competitively. It's why I've moved more to Warhammer, like any of us here. Um, <laughs> like now, like my involvement in Magic is I play Cube every night with my partner. I um, I play Arena. I try and make top 1,200 on the ladder. If I do, that's really cool. If not, I'm not going to be... It's. Oh, I think we lost you for a second there. Yeah, Discord's been a bit sketch. Yeah. It's like, you're back now. You're back now. Um, so I'm like how, like, my involvement's like, I play cube with my partner. I, like, try and make top 1200 on Arena. If I do, that's super cool. I think, like, um, let, like, need to, like, separate your identity. And I think mm. the one of the nicer things about Warhammer and modeling and painting in general is, like, the identity structure's very different. Like, you can mix the lines a lot easier like it's very hard to say to your competitive friends in magic oh i like commander or i like cube or oh i want to go to this winner box i don't want to go to the PTQ. no i don't want to travel with five people in a four-person car to scotland and go play this yeah we uh one, one of the one of the things we liked to do in bath was um you've probably done this yourself david actually because i know that you were in the southwest as well is we liked to go to wales to do our ptqs because typically they were smaller and the average quality of players was lower and yeah. you, you look back on that and that's like the sharkiest shittiest thing ever so like rock up as a bunch of out of town people and just fuck up someone's ptq and then you're uh, in the pt finals with someone who's giving you a lift home yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, it's it's like it's actually like kind of toxic and kind of shitty to just like roll up on this little store in this little town that you know and and know that you're going to be in the top 15 or 20 percent of players there purely based on the fact that like you have more access to better players to practice against and because yeah, this I think is like that a... was i think that was a flaw with the ptq system i just think it made it quite like you know, you could go to different places. We can win out to try and qualify for the Pro Tour. Yeah. What it was called back then. Yeah. And, and the point is, you know, put, it just put, yeah, it's put you in this horrible mental state. It felt like work, and the, you didn't get paid for it. The, the Pro Tour was supposed yes, to be uh, a showcase of you know of the best players. Um, <laughs> Drawling in the chat remembers Cardiff road trips, um, <laughs> and you know it, it it failed in that in that purpose it, it wasn't a showcase of the best players because you could predate your way into the pro tour you know you could take advantage of the system in order to get yourself on the pro tour um and 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 that's kind of one of the problems with magic uh that relates very closely to mental health and is one of the reasons i distanced myself so much from magic so suddenly is because systemically that that game is is built in ways to encourage a lot of predatory behavior you know the the um the company's business practice is notoriously more predatory than ever right now and like the whole community is up in arms about it everyone's really upset about it but i think actually if you look inwards as a magic player and you ask yourself you know the number of times where like 
in any other game of Magic, you would tell your opponent if they're tipping their cards towards you, but in a tournament you didn't tell your opponent and you got a little sneaky look at their hand. Or, you know, in in any other situation you would act this way, but in a tournament you didn't. It's like, we, we've all done it. Every single one of us has done it at some point. Whether we, whether we consider ourselves a good person or not, um, we have done something in a tournament setting in Magic where we've taken advantage of another player in some way or another um, oh, i think the peak example i think it was a twitter story so uh it may or may not be true but <laughs> pinch like, of salt yeah scummy scummiest thing you've done in a tournament and it wasn't one i mean it was a pretty scummy thing but it's also really funny play vendillion click it resolves opponent shows their hand they take their time write the hand down okay target me yeah yeah, that's a, it's a story. Yeah. Actually. No, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. In fact, it's it it's not even a story. It's actually a thing. I've seen it happen multiple times. Uh, because well, the yeah, because the normal shortcut with click is that people will cast it and say click you or click me, and that's not actually mm -hmm. how the card works. You you cast it, the spell resolves, then the ability goes on the stack and targets, um, and, and it's it's a common way that players will take advantage of of that rule to to trick newer players. Um, and it was something that, that was actually regularly happening for a long time. And it was it was when stories about it started circulating on social media that a lot of players became aware of, oh, shit, no, I've done that before. I've shown someone my hand when I didn't have to, you know. But 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 this is the point, is these, these things, these, these predatory habits that we are encouraged to display through a game like that, uh, they can be very bad for your mental health. You know, you can... You can find yourself questioning your own morality as a result of it. And I know, you know, I, I've certainly had a crisis of personality in the past related to um, Magic the Gathering and how I realised that I was only ever having fun when I didn't care about it. Every time I cared, I stopped having fun. Um, and this can be a thing that definitely happens with Warhammer as well. You know, the the more you invest, the deeper you go down the rabbit hole of wanting to win, wanting to always be dominant, and not making it about the enjoyment of the game, the more you can expose yourself to this this danger of either, either behaving in a way that's maybe not great or maybe thinking in a way that's not very healthy, um, you know, and, and, and just pushing yourself into into this corner of, uh, of kind of quite quite bad mental health as a result of something that is you know it's a game and it's supposed to be something we enjoy and do for fun well, um, this is it it's a, it's a hobby isn't it, it hobbies it, are meant to be enjoyed so why are you doing this thing or going down this road that does not make you happy if it doesn't make you happy you should this might be quite harsh you should probably not do it or reevaluate yeah. what you want from the hobby i think you know one, one of the things we have to maybe question ourselves a little more firmly on is like David said something uh, actually outside of this conversation. It was in a in a group chat um, about you know competitive players being good for games, and and competitive players are absolutely good for games because they they further the technology within the game. You know they further the understanding of the game, um, which is something that's definitely. It, it's it's very useful for the development of the game itself. You know if people aren't breaking the game. How can you make it less breakable? How can you make it a, a fairer, better designed, more airtight game if there aren't people out there that are breaking it? So People playing salamanders and aggressors and it, stuff. Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's important to have competitive players. 
the question you have to, I think, ask yourself for the sake of protecting your mental health is why do I play this game? Because if you only play the game to win, the game isn't your hobby. Winning is your hobby. And setting yourself up with a with a mental attitude that can make that healthy is a very separate thing. If the game is your hobby, winning really needs to not be an objective. And, and I don't say that in the sense of you should play to lose. That's, that's silly. Um, we, you know, winning always feels better than losing, universally. So don't play to lose, because it's always going to feel better to win. But... You can on a side note learning to lose is actually quite a really cool trait to learn in magic and any sort of competitive game because it will just make you a better person and you're not going to throw right. salt around if something doesn't come your way or whatever mm. especially magic magic's quite a variance heavy game things might not just land the way you expect and you could be like oh cool i could i could not do anything about this good game you know that sort of thing um but yeah learning to lose is just a really honorable trait to learn which yeah. is often underlooked and and, so, and again, like absolutely. it's good for your mental health. You know, it, yeah. it, it's it's good for you to be able to not feel sad and upset if you lose at a game. <laughs> especially in Magic, where you're gonna lose half of your games, yeah, or forty yeah. percent oh. if you're really good. Like, oh, yeah. as, we, as we said earlier, like the top players win what two thirds of their games. Mm. LS, LSV's yeah. win rate is what sixty-seven percent, something like that, and that's like really it. high in Magic. Yeah, yeah, so. Crazy. They, they they lose a third of their games and a third of that time they're not salty and just like ah you know whatever it happens. i didn't draw enough lands blah, 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 made these excuses they just owned it and if you could just own the fact that you're not going to win all your games you'll probably enjoy it more yeah and also i think warhammer like as a game lends itself so much better but like i like min maxing in general quite a lot like Especially when playing Magic in a 1v1 sense. But isn't that... I mean, we've spoken about this... Like... We've spoken about this directly. It's to do with the process of min-maxing, isn't it? It's to do with yeah, the, the exactly. mental arithmetic like, of it. And like uh, I, like you briefly mentioned, I use a speed run where it's like, yeah, I will sit for hours to compare something that saves a second. like, And stuff like that. And it's that sort of process is interesting to me. But in Warhammer, I feel, for some reason, way more okay with not min-maxing like it's more it's easier to take yeah i like this unit i'll take it when i take mm -hmm. a unit i'll take the loadout but i think it suits my army the best of course but like it's way easier to yeah this is a cool model and i take it Partly, well, it's like you you kind of get to do this yeah. cool thing with warhammer because you can like pick a miniature that you really like but then load it out in a way that is best suited to your army so you yeah. sort of get to kind of have this nice middle ground between like just playing for rule of cool and optimizing at the same time and that i actually find is the far more interesting way to build armies for me like for me that's what that's what buzzes me is is starting out with just these are the minis i like in that range and then how do i make them as good as they can be contextually yeah. within the current edition codex etc yeah like when i'm planning out my death guard army now i think i'm leaning to having a ton of like terminators in general like probably... which are like super fucking spendy on the points yeah, yeah, like very. De it's definitely not the w best way to build armies, but at least all of my Terminators gonna have the flail of contagion and stuff like that. Like that's there's no plague flails are flail. so fucking dirty. Uh, so yeah, but like I so love the Death Guard Terminators. Even yeah. even you, Flyboy. I'm gonna. So I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think the strangest part about coming to Warhammer from a really competitive magic background was like when Space Marines were the best army, like my uh, girlfriend was like, oh, well, do, you, do you want to play Space Marines? I'm like, no, I don't really like Space Marines. And she's like, but they just win everything. I went, yeah, but they're not really for me. And like when I was playing Chaos, it was like, I don't want to take the Celeste unit with the Corn unit because that doesn't match. Yeah. It's quite, it was really strange. Yeah. Like, such a new experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, like, you know, going back to that thing of, you know, uh, minimal min-maxing, you know. Uh, like, I wanted um, my Space Marine squads in my in my Word Bearers army. I mean, Word Bearers, first of all, just straight up not the best Chaos Legion to be playing right now. Haven't been for a very long time. Uh, during Possess Bomb, you know, maybe Word Bearers were a thing you want to be doing. But right now, no, not, not a thing you want to be doing. Um, but I wanted all of my Chaos Space Marine squads to just be, like, 10-man squads with a Sergeant... And then just nine bolters. No special weapons, no heavy weapons. And it's like, that's actually not very good. But it's what I want to see on the field. I want to basically just see a fucking legion of bolt guns pointing towards my opponent, you know. So how do I make that good? Okay, well, if I give these units Mark of Slanesh, then now they've got Endless Cacophony as a thing that they can do. And suddenly, like, that's one squad of ten putting out, like... 40 shots of rapid fire and that's actually pretty good no matter what way you slice it you know uh, a a relatively cheap unit being able to do that is great um and so you know you you can kind of you can kind of find that happy little place where you can be fucking around and, and brewing yeah. and, and having a good time but and added to the fact i think it was in your uh, essay or wherever it was like it's so much more time dedication to a single unit. I have this yeah. unit it's painted up. I spent hours on it, mm -hmm. rather than in a game like Magic, where it's so easy to. You have a choice between two cards. I will purchase the better card and absolutely and play it. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, it's not like Magic where you can just buy a whole deck in like five minutes, whereas mm -hmm. building an army takes like months, and it takes not only financial financial effort, but you know time. Like yeah. you've got to actually put time into it to get what you want so it's really important to identify what you really want from the hobby and like what army you want to paint because if you find out halfway you're like actually i don't want to paint these ultramarines i want to do you know harlequins or something then you know it's, it's going to be a difficult situation yeah and i think that, that actually um while we're sort of having this discussion about kind of having it both ways that's that's a very convenient point to to be able to slip into kind of some of the more positive stories about you know mental health and the hobby um and actually what one of the things that i wanted to say and, and why i think it's a good time to segue is that because of that kind of very unique trait that warhammer has um i actually kind of feel like warhammer saved me in a way um Magic was putting me in a position where the only way I could have fun with it is in a completely sort of isolationist approach. And, and, and essentially what it ended up becoming was I only played Magic with my actual real-life friends and it was basically just something to do while we were hanging out. Um, playing Magic that way is completely separate from everything else about playing Magic. You know, the things that you're doing at that table with those people do not relate to the wider metagame. They do not relate to um, the way people in general play the game. And due to that kind of microcosmic nature of, of, of only playing magic that way, I was still kind of holding on to it somehow. 
and and I played the game for such a long time that it was very hard to kind of let go. You know, I, I naturally sort of wanted to hold on to it somehow. Um, but everywhere around me, every single thing I was seeing about magic was just like, this does not represent me. This is not who I am as a person. You know, the the predatory competitive behavior from players, the predatory financial behavior from the company, the number of people associated with magic that were getting ousted for a while for being really quite horrible people. Um, when you When all of these things are kind of happening at the same time, and I'm, you know, you you look at all of that, and it's just like, I don't want to put my name to this anymore, and this is my business. So I'm suddenly left in this position where it's like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know, this thing that I'm doing for a living, I'm I'm embarrassed of it. Like, I don't want to tell people that I work with Magic the Gathering for a living. I don't want people to know that I work with Magic the Gathering for a living because right now, Magic the Gathering is a fucking embarrassment to me, and that was really how I felt. Um, and I was getting so depressed because I felt trapped in it. I felt like I had to stay associated with magic because it was my job. I felt like for as long as the way I make my money is painting on people's magic cards, I've got to know what cards are current and good and I've got to, you know, be able to have conversations about the game with players and in order to kind of build rapport with customers and that kind of thing. Um, and then I kind of... I'd, I'd, I'd sort of started painting again by that point anyway. Um, and I kind of realized, like, if I'm just willing to take a risk, just, a, you know, for a short period of time, just take a pay cut for a little while, essentially, and just try and scrape by, I can probably do most of the things that I did professionally in relation to Magic, in relation to Warhammer. But the difference is Warhammer's actually all about doing it your way. Warhammer is not about kind of the established correct method. You know, there is there is no net decking in Warhammer. If you look at if you look at a tournament winning list, the the next tournament, like two days later, will be won by a completely different list. So what's the point in net decking your list? You know, um, and it was this realization that I could like still have the job that I'm so passionate about and the the day to day work in life that brings me so much fulfillment and so much enjoyment. But I didn't have to feel ashamed because it was connected to something that I was just entirely hopeful and positive and passionate and uplifted about. Um, and so, you know, through my lens, Warhammer kind of gave me something when I felt like I'd kind of lost everything. You know, it was quite big for me. Um, but do any of you have stories about how Warhammer sort of positively impacted you? How Warhammer did something for you that that brought you to a good place uh, yeah i would say so like um, in the last few years on and off i've had my fair few bouts with the depression and have had times like where you sit and you don't do a whole lot you have this void of time sort of you sit scroll twitter stream and even like uh playing a like regular game can be quite taxing mm -hmm. and uh, i mean it wasn't a bad about now but i realized like when i picked it up how badly i needed something like that's just a dedicated hobby to do something to do with my hands because like otherwise like i'm a music and sometimes guitar teacher by trade and like i will practice the guitar quite a bit but that's still like not entangled to my trade like you spoke about yeah it's that separation earlier. of work and yeah. hobby yeah and now it's something like 
and that's something I spent ages on and a lot of time. Like uh, when I practiced most, it was like four to six hours a day in addition to other things. But uh, and like I love it. It's my passion. It's what I do. But when I picked it up, I realized so much. Yeah, I need something that's completely separate, but just a pure hobby. And I'm not sure. Like it probably could have been a lot of things, but Warhammer was. Well, something that suited me at the time, basically. Yeah, I mean, you and had you had friends really that were getting into it yeah. and stuff like that. Like having something that this is something that I do only for fun. Yeah, like, yeah. You have those sort of things. Like, sorry, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Like <laughs> if it's watching TV shows or playing video games, those things are so inherent in my like day to day life. You just do it. Like, yeah, it's it's almost automatic, the, isn't it? Yeah, like now I'm hobbying. That's like the separate thing, and it's it's that conscious, focused you time. That thing that is for yeah. you and it is for relaxment, for relaxing yeah, and, and enjoyment. Yeah, being that's able to like seminar as well. That's what Warhammer is to me as well. It's just this little safe haven where I can just go. Oh, I'm just gonna you know paint some Death Guard, and I'm just gonna completely be disconnected from the world, not on social media. Mm-hmm. Just gonna put some music on or a podcast and just paint. And it's, it's, it's really therapeutic. I think that's what I find. Yeah, and also, like, in regards to that, uh, being able to try and tell myself, I'm doing hobby time, it's okay. Yeah. So that's also something I struggle with, like, uh, justifying having your free time. It's has been quite hard so in general. It's very interesting that you raise that as a point, actually, because I think one of the very unique advantages I get by doing hobby for a living is... I get to justify hobby as work. Um, and it's with altering it was something that I never really did. Sorry, I'm just trying to clear something out of my way very sneakily whilst live <laughs> yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, mentioning it makes it so much more sneakily. I didn't realize. Sneaky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, one of, the, one of the things that I can do, for example, is um, when I do videos every week, I, I produce two videos every week. And not every video requires me to paint a miniature, right? But sometimes if I just really want to paint a miniature that day, I just don't, you know, I don't feel up to the pressure of painting for a commission or I don't feel inspired that day, which are like just normal things as an artist. You know, you just have days where you don't feel inspired or you just have days where you can't hack the pressure. I can just kind of take one of my own miniatures down off the shelf. And as long as that camera's pointing down at me while I'm painting it, then it's work because I can build a video around it and that's so so good for my mental health and wasn't something I could do with magic because like I don't I'm not playing the game so how am I like what what do I want altars for for myself you know what I mean and and even so like when I wanted altered magic cards. I wanted altered magic cards from badass artists that I really liked. Like, you know, I don't I don't want altars from me. I want altars from, you know, people like Modfly. Like he's one of one of my favorite artists. Um so Yeah, but it's also like in since painting your miniatures in Warhammer, that's the norm. That's what you do. It's a huge part of a hobby. Like Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's central hard to, to the hobby. escape from. But altering in magic is like a really niche unit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and and so so this was the interesting thing was was that I I realized quite quickly into um, starting to you know paint Warhammer miniatures for a living that actually because YouTube was part of my job because it was kind of 
amalgamated into my my daily work in the same way that when I was altering streaming was part of my job it allowed me to be able to still do stuff for me just because I want to do it just because it's what I feel like doing that day and that was still work and that's like such a privilege so few people in the world get to do that get to just show up to work that day and say I'm doing this for me because I want to because I'm going to enjoy it and I can just passively integrate that into my work for the day just by having a camera pointing down at me it's a really nice thing David do you have anything that you want to add I did I saw you sort of trying to speak a couple of times but was there was there anything you wanted to put in yeah I guess like Warhammer allows me something quite special as well like so I am um, I'm autistic so when I was younger I like I view life a bit like sims so we put our points in various parts so for me I put all my points in like maths and uh, very like practically minded subjects and then when I was as I've got older uh, a magic allowed this as well I realized actually I'm way more creative than I thought I was as a teenager slash young 20s so for me I was like, oh, I've screwed my life up because I've put all my points in how to write an essay, how to do a spreadsheet, how to do this. So what Warhammer and to a lesser extent Magic, like for Magic, my big hobby is building cubes. Like I love building stuff to themes. Like I have a spreadsheet at home of like 20 different cubes. Some of them will never see the light of day. Some of them I have. Some of them are great and awesome. And I look forward to when we can all meet up and play in the real world um soon tm but like i think that the really special part of warhammer is like it allows me to like express myself creatively and encourages that mm -hmm. even like if i want to take the best army i can paint it in the color scheme i like or i can like explore like list building in a way that i like like i think that's the real big draw to me like a lot of my competitive magic friends have played Warhammer in their childhood because that's the natural progression. Yeah, yeah. D and D, Warhammer, Magic: The Gathering—they're like the three pillars. See, I've never played a role. Coming, coming back to Warhammer. <laughs> I, I've never played like Dungeons and Dragons in my life, um, which is quite unusual. But I'm sure I'll rectify that at some point. Um, but like, I got a message a couple of weeks ago from like my magic friends going oh yeah we just picked up a kill team and i'm like yeah 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 just just the kill go. team here we go yeah. <laughs> like, starts with the kill team. Yeah. two weeks later they're like oh like do you know anything about the competitive side of the game and i'm like yeah like here's a big list of podcasts i listen to mm. while i'm working um and then like they're like oh they've shown what they've painted and like it's it's awesome like it's really nice to see like for me it's like like i really realize now from warhammer that i value like creativity an awful lot mm. which is and like really nice i think so something uh, i i think you would probably agree with this based on what you're saying something that's really wonderful about warhammer is that your validity as a player doesn't come from just straight up your ability your creativity is actually contributory to your the, how your validity is is viewed by others um in the sense of if you're a great painter uh, but you don't play the game at all. People will still really dig what you're doing. If you're a genius, yeah. if you're a genius commander, if you're a brilliant strategist, but you're a terrible painter, people will still really dig your contribution to the game. If you just like to talk about the game and you don't really play that much or paint that much, or you know you just like to do stuff like this, people will still really dig your content. It's like you get to feel wanted and valid and 
actually a part of something, actually a member of a community, regardless of how you contribute. You know, whereas conversely, coming from a magic background, like your tournament results are the only thing that dictate where you stand in the pecking order. Yeah, I think that was a big part of it, especially like before the game changed, like definitely. It's a huge part of it. Yeah. And I, th I, I think what I'm like, sorry, go on. No, no, please. I think like from what I understand, like I'm good friends with a lot of people who are quite good at Lord of the Rings, like the miniature mm -hmm. game. And they were like, yeah, it's very different to what you probably expect at the top level. Like people let people have like game losing take backs. And I was like, that blew my mind. Like, yeah, yeah. That's like the norm. And it's like, that's really cool. That's like a community. And like, it's not so that I dislike magic or I want to leave the magic community. I mean, it's all very different now. Um, really, it's just me and a laptop at the minute. But um, yeah, I think that the Warhammer community, from what I've seen, it looks really positive. And I think that the fact that the game has evolved, like when I started, when I was like 16 to 18, like the competitive players weren't the nicest players. They were very hyper-focused. But now because, and the tournaments had to appeal to that kind of gamer. Mm -hmm. But now because tournaments are for, like I um, I work for the government and we have like a big um, group chat about Warhammer. And it's like some guy was going to fly from Ireland and his list was like terrible. Like it couldn't win anything. But he was like, oh, what? And he admitted it, like, this isn't me casting judgment. He was like, oh, I just have, like, a bunch of Howling Benches. They're awful. <laughs> yeah, they're unplayable, but fuck it, I want them. And it's like, that's really cool. And he was, like, excited to come to the tournament. Whereas, like, with, like, I'm sure um, we can all relate, we've played at the tournament against the kid who's got their intro deck. And it's like, this is actually awful for everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. just feel bad. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, this is like... And I, I don't think you like can leak, you get as many bad games as Warhammer. Like as long as you're like, I mean, my first two games have been unsatisfying, but that's because like we're all learning the new edition. We're all very new. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just had great matchups and I got the perfect deployment. But that's also um, the thing, isn't it? Is like, you know, those those clunky games where you're trying to figure out rules, just they're not as much fun as those slick games where everyone knows what they're doing. You know, it's one, one of yeah. the reasons I'm reluctant to go across to Tabletop Simulator at the moment is because I know that my games are going to be absolute clunkasauruses while I figure out TTS. It will be fine. It's it's not that bad. Fonzie, Fonzie, considering that you are, of all of my friends, the one who makes the most boomer-related remarks in my direction, <laughs> <laughs> considering that, yeah, like, I mean, you're a good sign, right? the whole interplay of banter between me and you is you calling me old and shit with technology <laughs> are you really saying that you think i of all people will be fine with tts yeah i do <laughs> and i mean in in the time aspect to be honest rolling dice takes way quicker in tts i i, I appreciate so it evens it out i appreciate the confidence i i definitely appreciate yeah. the confidence um has everyone put in what they want to put in or, or does anyone else have anything else that they want to add to the uh, the discussion on, on mental health related to warhammer and you know the the positives I, and the pitfalls yeah i have something just a quick note sure um one thing i've noticed from magic to warhammer in terms of hobby is that i find Warhammer to be a lot more gratifying because you can kind of like, I'm, I'm talking about painting here like yeah. building and painting like you can just paint like an arm on a model and that's it like that can be your day you don't have to do all this stuff but the fact that you slowly build to this thing and you have this completed model it just feels really um like validating like it's like oh cool I did this thing 
with it, this paintbrush and this stuff and you, you see the end results and it's quite encouraging because you're like oh yeah i can do this thing so i want to do more of it yeah it's it's kind of this funny thing isn't it that, like when a painting project is your is is your goal and you know as a warhammer player um painting projects will be your goal at various stages throughout your your lifetime as a player and you know you'll complete them and move on to the next one but once you've finished that painting project once you've completed that goal of getting that piece finished your prize is you've got a badass finished miniature to look at and Unlike with a magic tournament where, like, you know, oh, fuck yeah, I top-aided, you know, that's pretty sweet. Like, it's gone the next day. You know, you wake up in your own bed and you go to work and life is normal again. Like, nothing matters. But when you finish that rad painting project and you're, like, super high on, you know, the Sergeant Teleon that you painted using no metallics and washes or whatever it might be. Um, that got retweeted by Warhammer community and showcased in the stream. And, yeah. is, and is definitely one yes. of next week's videos. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you get to have that every day. That's yours for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. you know. You get to, like, pick up that model and look at it and analyse the things that you did well and the things that you did bad. And you get to have the reward of getting to the end of that project and the things that you learned every single day um Mm. and that's something quite unique to to miniatures games you know that's something quite unique to uh, i I guess to a lesser extent board games now as well because board games are starting to more and more incorporate high quality miniatures as, as play pieces but it's it's a type of reward that really is quite unique to us as as miniature hobbyists that only really we get to enjoy yeah like um as I posted uh, in the Discord, and if anybody's listening and not in the Discord, go to this person's Patreon and join the Discord because it's amazing. One dollar a month, it. people. One dollar a month. It's not a lot of money, and, and the Discord <laughs> alone anyway, is fucking great. Uh, as we can see, the minis up here. Like yeah, I posted in the Discord as well. Like while painting them, I have like most of them assembled and primed. Like painting one by one and seeing them like going from black prime to the loading screen progress bar that was (laughs) was so satisfying seeing like them slowly taking shape yeah and that's the thing isn't it is like an army as a painting project is Mm -hmm. you know 30 40 50 miniatures whatever you know if you play an orcs or imperial guard maybe a couple of hundred whatever um and you have that kind of progress bar feel to it as you see more and more of that army get painted but also you know when you break that down each individual miniature is also an achievement and is also a thing that you get to be proud of, and that's kind of yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's so nice. It's just it's it's like that's my big comfort blanket when it comes to mini painting because I don't get to paint yeah. for myself as often as I'd like to. It's so nice to be able to look at those individual finished miniatures and say, you know, one day, one day, all those blue people will have gold and metallics <laughs> and basing. And one one day it'll happen, <laughs> definitely. One thing uh, I like now. Sorry, go on. Something I really have like enjoyed seeing from this community, and it, it it's it is harder in magic. Like the best player can't help like everyone worse than them because mm-hmm. that's just how the structure works. The interaction, like people are like really nice feeding back in the community, and like it's it's great. Like it's I'm very excited to be a part of the Warhammer community. Um, as as I go along, like obviously this isn't the like even though this is like a pretty miserable time for everyone um covid sucks um i'm excited for when it's over and we get to like play some games or we get to meet up and like that's and get to see what it's like more in like the the tabletop like it's already been very impressive online and from what i've heard through word of mouth so getting to see it like 
exciting times, I think. Yeah, one, one of the things that I've always loved and has always made me feel so good is like rocking up to either a friend's house or to Warhammer World or whatever and just seeing other people's armies, just looking at other people's miniatures, other people's armies, you know, being able to like, like, I used to always think when I was little and I first got into the hobby, because you have to remember, like, I started this hobby when I was six years old. Like, I was a fucking baby. Um, but I was always very cautious to touch other people's miniatures because my elder brothers were the people that got me into the hobby and they would beat the shit out of me if I touched their miniatures. So it's like, you know, I was always it was always kind of, you don't touch other people's miniatures. But something I realized very quickly is that people actually want you to get hands on with their miniatures. They want you, you know, pick them up by the fucking base. Don't go picking them up by like the tip of a spear or an arm or something that might break off. But they actually, everyone loves showing each other their miniatures. And they want you to get hands-on and look at their paintwork and like learn from their paintwork and like you don't you don't get that in other hobbies you don't get to just be able to like go up and help yourself to someone else's knowledge and ability and be able to just absorb it by seeing their output you know it's it's again it's another one of those things that's kind of unique to the hobby and kind of beautiful yeah do we um do we wanna? Do we wanna move on now? Do we wanna start talking about the next? Oh, I just noticed in the chat, Steel Dragon Phrase is finally here. He says, "Welcome to the show, buddy. Welcome to the show." It's really nice. We're getting a lot of regulars from Discord showing up to uh, to come and chat with us. I think what we're probably gonna find is that the majority of my viewer base watches this back as opposed to watches it live. But it's it's lovely that the uh, that those of you from the Discord that have come to join us want to uh, want to be here live. We are gonna after this section, uh, we would normally do the mailbag when it's a one-on-one version of the of the podcast um so what we're actually going to do is we're going to have some time there for anyone in the chat to ask us literally anything they want it's going to be an, a four-way ama where you can ask us literally anything you like so those of you that are in the chat at the moment stick around because you're going to get a section all of your own where you get to uh ask us whatever the hell you want and uh, and we will probably answer roughly almost truthfully ish so uh we're going we're gonna to move on now to the final of the main sections before we do that. And that is the section where I ask my guests, what's coming up? Uh, what's, uh, what's coming up then, man? What's, what's coming up? And we are back. So uh, we, can, we can go back to going in order now. Uh, what hobby, David, have you got coming up? What exciting things have you got in the pipeline? Well, skip the boring part where I tell you I've got more jet bikes to paint because there's only so exciting yeah, about you. Model army. I really want um, to paint some jet bikes because I, I keep seeing all these really nicely airbrushed ones, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to do that. No, they're really nice, really cool model. Once, so like one of the things, like I'm gonna have like my plan, um, which never happens. I'm gonna have like my competitive Harlequin army that's like for people who want to play like the game at the highest level for the sweaty but, people. Like, yeah, like me, like those <laughs> people who want to win power of bastards um no like i'll have that and then like because i quite like the entire space elf range um i've got a really cool overly ambitious plan where i take a bunch of uh i don't know i just said my very well they're deepkin i don't know they're called yeah i don't know so i love those models they're fucking the cool is, i can't really i've also ones that had the knight but doesn't have a body thing yeah i really want yeah, yeah. But they also have the fucking flying turtle. Like yeah. before we talk about before we talk about anything else in the model range, let's talk about the fact that they literally have greater two in. It's, it's like it's such a cool range. 
the problem I have with it is like I couldn't really imagine it being on the tabletop. Like I couldn't see like how my army from the water is like battling someone's they're not called Toonkins. I really don't know if you're Retro Sigma, but like the skeleton people. I can't like spend my disbelief it's it's okay david the, the the title of the vodcast is my big fat mouth a warhammer Forty Thousand podcast so it's, good, it's fine you don't have to know anything about eos yeah. like my, my plan for all the deepkin stuff is to i, I really like dark eldar but they are uh pretty bad at the minute from what the internet tells me um but I will convert some jet bikes using the shark models. Mm. Yeah, the, like, the, the thing with Dark Elder is that they they just got brutally nerfed. That, that they yeah, they, they were a really good yeah. army, um, but they, the points costs for the bodies that you're buying now are just uh, not not very. On the other hand, we're in Codex rotation season, so yeah. give it they, a few months and you may yeah, see yeah. new. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like it's it's probably pretty likely that um, Harlequins typically like I think I think. They are one of the armies that are so small that they often get their updates in White Dwarf. Yeah. Um, so, like, the thing with Harlequins being Tier 1 at the moment is they probably won't stay Tier 1 for very long because it's so easy for Games Workshop to adjust them, to, to pull them back down, um, because they will probably just print the rules in White Dwarf anyway. It's, it's probably not going to be its own publication. And if it is its own publication, then... That's great news for Harlequin players because it probably means that the army is going to be really good for a really long time. Um, but the chances are, it is you know, it's probably going to be a fairly short-lived thing. So, like having another project coming up is is a very very smart thing to do. And the other thing is, so I don't know if I mentioned this, I can't build a model to save my life with the instructions. I um, hate once... building miniatures. <laughs> yeah, me too. My my beloved loves building miniatures but hates painting. So that's okay. At least you can double had, team it. Like, we had like the talk where she was playing Tyranids and she got into them right after the eight hive tyrantness got banned and I'm like right we have to have the talk about what you want from the hobby because that influences what I want if you want to play like fluffy thematic lists where we just take units we like that's really cool I'll do that and she was like no I want to beat you and like I want to have like a competitive chance I'm like okay well here are like the options and she settled on blood angels mm -hmm. so when they get their book i'll be imagine i'll be told to take some time off work and a big pile of boxes will be <laughs> build and paint all of this please <laughs> yeah i'll be i'll be doing the painting so that's my future for the game yeah blood, blood angels are, are in an interesting place at the moment because obviously like the the space marines codex obviously slightly nerfs them but a lot of it is just kind of a few little rejigs but then when the Blood Angels supplement comes out and they have new updated stats for all of their special units, like Blood Angels is a army of special units. You know, Blood Angels is all about like the Librarian Dread and the Death Company and the Sanguinary Guard. And it's like, you know, all of these things that are unique to Blood Angels. So when that supplement lands, chances are like even just the fact that it's going to be whatever Space Marines are right now, plus something just that fact on its own means it's probably going to be a really good army you know, we're kind of lucky yeah. as blood angels players we sort of always get it a little bit good like that we, we, were, we were good in eighth edition uh, you know we're probably going to be good in ninth edition uh back in fifth edition when i last when i took my last break we were pretty decent we were okay although chaos space marines were also kind of quite dominant for a lot of that but you know it's 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 kind of nice being a blood angels player you get to be fairly sure that you're going to be at least an okay army 
must admit, all the new marine models, like my earlier position about not liking marines is becoming more and more tested because you can just do so much. Yeah. Like, you yeah. might see a yeah. yet. The, the, that was the reason for me getting, like, picking marines as the army when I returned. Like, because uh, during, I, like, I quit like, five, six years ago and coming back, like, there's a ton of new armies. And what marines aren't short, stubby, tent legged things anymore? <laughs> Like, not like this. Every Marine with his hand like that in front of his bolter. Yeah. When I came back to the hobby and saw that Admin was an army, (laughs) (laughs) like, my mind was blown. Like, from like not looking at Warhammer for like five, six years, I was like, oh my god, Admin have an army. Yeah, Admin, Gene Steeler Colts didn't exist last time I looked at the hobby. Um, Custodies didn't exist last time I was in the hobby. Like, coming back in 8th edition. There were quite a few armies that were brand new to me, and it was it was very cool. Uh, so I guess I guess next we need to know what Emma's got coming up. What's what's going to be um, happening? I men- mentioned that earlier. I'm just going to be kit bashing some Death Guard Plague Marines, and I'm going to be trying out some different bases. So I've got some Martian Iron Cross, the Martian Iron Earth, and yes. I'm just going to have a little play around because I really like the ready rusty color. Cause it, I think it goes quite well with the whole Death Guard color palette. So I'm going to be messing around with some bases and just kit bashing some marines and they're going to look really cool. I also have a Typhus box that is still sealed over there that I might crack open at some point as well. Uh, two seconds. There is a, there's a comment in the chat from Bone Shredder Gaming. It's a very, very good question. Uh, Bone Shredder, we are, we're going to have an AMA section coming up just after this one. So if you stick with us for just a few minutes longer, we will answer that question because I actually think it's a really, really interesting one. So uh, just bear with us for a brief moment. Um, but yeah, Emma, so you, your, your conversions are kind of, um, you've already started with them, right? So the plan is to yeah, just be um... kind of... Yeah, so I've I, I've assembled what I want them to look like. So I've like blue tacked them, so make sure they all fit. Um, what I tend to do with painting is like I spray all the bodies first and the heads first, and do all the arms separately. So so I can make sure I can get everywhere. Um, yeah. So the next thing we do is to prime them and then do all the little details and stuff, and then look at bases. So. Ba- basing is like it's almost an, uh, its own hobby. It's that you can go yeah. so deep with it. It's one of those things where it's just process of elimination and then you've just got to find the one that looks best for your model. So I'm going through that process at the moment, but I think the Martian Iron Earth ready aesthetic might be quite good. I'm a, I'm a fan of the uh, the two Martian basing materials. Yeah, they're so nice. They, they accidentally end up on far more of my armies than I'd like to admit. <laughs> uh, oh, I think we've lost audio from Victor. What happened, buddy? <laughs> He's, he's sorry he's, he's just so we've got we got two options now we can either stare at him intently while he tries to get it working again or we can just kind of talk amongst ourselves until he butts in with it working again um also i mentioned earlier uh, i've got a box of typhus the model sealed still so yeah and he's gone yeah he's probably gonna cut out of the call and rejoin back in because sure, uh sure. there you go hello am i yeah hey. we got you yeah. we got yeah. you i know a completely different discussion during those seconds. I, I am I am very excited, Emma, to see what you do with Typhus. Very, very excited. Because yeah, it's, it's I, just I, a I, fucking cool miniature. So nice. I don't think I'll have the little locust things on the back, so I think they look a little bit weird. Yeah, I think in general, like, I love Death Guard, that's why I'm gonna start collecting them, but a lot of times they're a bit over the top. Like, 
whenever I get to Mortarion, I highly doubt I'm gonna have all the chains dangling down from him. It's like mm -hmm. when I did my Great Unclean one, um, I didn't include all the Nurglings because it was just like, it felt just distracting. You know, it's almost, it's almost mm -hmm. like your eye can't take in that much shit at once. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the sort of less is more philosophy anyway. Like, that's generally my painting approach is is very yeah. less is more. But I do, I, I think Nurgle's one of those rangers that kind of sometimes comes a cropper of that. Maybe they chucked too many things in there and maybe just stripping it back a bit would. So I'm happy to have more stuff than less. So it means I, I don't have to use all the stuff. I can save it for another. Because I like yeah. kit bashing and conversion yeah. products. Yeah. Goes back to what we were saying earlier, isn't it? About like everything that you yeah. don't use on a kit ends up becoming great conversion fodder for the next this one. Is it. Yeah. yeah, and all the Nurgle, like the, the sprues and the kits are just so, they're very generous with what they give you. And there's a lot of ways you can build it. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I think uh, in regards to what, uh, sorry, what I was about to say before <laughs> I cut out and what Bone Shredder just uh, wrote. Like the basing is the most undervalued part of your hobby. And mm -hmm. that's last week I spent a lot of time thinking about how I was, I was going to do bases on my death guard. Yeah. A lot of videos were watched and I, I'm going to do the. I mean, and, and, and even just like small <laughs> things, like when I'm painting an entire army, for example, I'm not going to sit there and do bespoke bases on every single one. Because for me personally, that's too much of a time investment for where I'm kind of at right now, like where, where and how I can commit to painting. But one of the really small things that I've done that's just improved my army is instead of just texture painting and then like dry brushing and washing the texture paint and just calling it done, what I'll do now is texture paint the base and then I'll add some kind of aggregate, whether it be, you know, a gravel or pieces of slate or sand or flock or, you know, something that is a particle of some kind and I'll add a couple of tufts. And that's like a tiny little extra amount of time. It, you know, it maybe makes the base go from taking, you know, 10 minutes to 12 minutes or something it's like a, a really small investment of extra time but the bases yeah. just look so much better for that one tiny little thing you know yeah and like i've i wrote in the discord as well but like my death guard uh army it's gonna it's not i'm not gonna say poorly painted by my standards but it's gonna be like i said like death guard you can excuse yourself quite a lot by doing like base coats agrax and then a few highlights yeah and yeah. fleshy bits and basically be done and like that for me it's a good tabletop standard like and, it's it's not going to look shit if you do that that's kind of the point yeah. isn't it it's, and, you know, uh, it's, it's not going to be the best figure... thing you've ever painted yeah. but you're not going to be yeah. embarrassed of it yeah and then if i take and if i spend a bit extra on the basis it, it will complement it so. yeah yeah and you were talking about like getting um, a scenic roller weren't you and actually doing like yeah, some sure. some patterns uh, I spent the week looking at different types of polymer clay and trying to compare and... <laughs> just one one thing to watch for I meant to tell, I meant to tell you this uh, when we were talking about it in discord but one thing to really watch for though is if you if you pre-bake the polymer clay and then stick it to the bases um, mm -hmm. as it's drying out sometimes it can curl so yeah. you're going to want to probably do a bit of research into which polymer clays are the least likely to do that. Yeah. Or I'm leaning into doing the classic thing of spending more money to do less effort and just do green stuff and be safe. Yeah, yeah. Green stuff it's directly on the basis. For, for, all of the, uh, for all of the shortcomings of green stuff, when it's good, it's fucking good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so um, that would be... Fonzie next actually uh what what what's coming up what's 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 about to happen well uh 
hopefully playing a lot more 40k and some death guard things when I eventually get more models. I'm too finished at the moment, but I fucking love Nurgle. It's, well, two, two, okay. two and a half. Your demon prince is, is about 50% done. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I painted. But yeah. Yeah. I will have my all my HQs done. So that's something. <laughs> Which kind of sucks because that means now you've just got troops to paint. <laughs> <laughs> no, but or and a lot of terminators and that. a lot of terminators. I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Terminators are pretty chill to paint to be fair. Um my 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 coming up, my my what's coming up uh is kind of um unsurprising because again you're going to see a lot of it in content. A lot of it is going to be lent to content. Uh something that's probably not going to make it into a video but I'm actually really hyped for is uh Leaky Cheese, the the popular uh modeling and forge world specialist YouTuber commissioned me a while back to do a squad of word bearers for him um but leaky cheese being being the type of guy that he is uh he wanted to kind of custom build them all with forge world parts um and he's put all these like custom prayer papers on them and shit they're like barely recognizable as being original miniatures at this point you know they're very heavily kind of kitbashed from different things and he wanted to do all of that in advance and then send them to me for for me to just do the painting on um so i've been kind of really excited for, for it for a while but i've also been waiting for him to do the building on it and then uh it's 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 just maybe just within reach is this the right one nope that's the wrong one hang on i think i can get it i bought specifically for this job um a bottle of a bottle of this which is chimera's oxide red paint um if you're not familiar with this paint it's very similar to word bearers red but it goes on with this like really flat um super high coverage kind of application and it's i've done dark aluminum of <laughs> red. yeah it's the dark aluminum of red sure and i've um I started doing a little bit of experimenting with this paint and I'm so fucking hyped to paint some word bearers with it because all my word bearers were done with the GW word bearers paints, which whilst they, they look nice, um, they're really not the easiest paints to work with. Considering that word bearers red is essentially an oxide red, like this is, you know, the pigment that, that is used in, in the GW one as well. The coverage of the GW one is, is really not that great. It's quite hard work getting your word bearers looking nice with it. So I've got this custom squad of word bearers um, that I'm going to get to do some kind of new stuff with that I've not done on word bearers before. And it'll be nice to kind of go back to uh, a color scheme that I'm very familiar with, but take a fresh approach to it, uh, a new outlook, and hopefully make something very cool for Mr. Leaky Cheese. Um, and then, much like Mr. Fonzie, I also have a Primaris Chaplain on bike coming, uh, courtesy of one of my YouTube viewers, Witch King. Uh, who has sent it to me purely because he he wants to he wants to see a painting video on it. So he said, "I'll send you one if you'll make a video on one." And I said, "I'll make a video on one if you send me one." And with that agreement, uh, there will be one arriving in the post, and and I'm gonna make a video on it, which is gonna be really interesting because it's gonna be for my angels argentum. So I've got to kind of somehow figure a way to get that really reflective silver into a chaplain color scheme and i haven't got a fucking clue how i'm gonna do well, it <laughs> i'm sitting and uh like uh debating whether i should do the bike mm. in the chapter color rather than the chaplain color. so the, the only idea i've had at this stage <laughs> is 
everywhere that a bone appears on the miniature, instead of doing the bones in bone colours, do them in that really reflective chrome silver. But the only yeah. bone part is the skull on this one. Exactly. So what the fuck are you going to do? Like, that was my, the first idea I, I come up with. Like, I wasn't looking at the box art, but I was like, oh, just swap all the bone out for silver. That'll look fucking neat. And then I looked at the box art again, and it's like, not going to Maybe work. you could just, like, bling it up and do it on the alloys. So make the alloys really shiny and reflective, <laughs> like it's on upgrade. Or hubcaps. Yeah, hubcaps, yeah. <laughs> Somebody give this lady the Painter of the Year award because that is fucking brilliant. That is absolutely yeah. brilliant. I wonder if I could convert spinners onto his bike. Yeah, because I've got I've got some of those um I've I've got some of those grim lights. Have you seen Have you ever seen grim lights? Yeah. Yeah, the the little battery operated magnetic sort of wire lights. That, so I can do the neons. The neons is fine. That's covered. <laughs> Just do pick my ride. Yeah. Chaplin. Yeah. yeah. I well, mean, you have. It looks like one of the uh, sprues, right? That's the hubcap. Hey, Anna, welcome to the stream. <laughs> there you so, go. <laughs> so, so there's there's a, an interesting question then. Uh, what would uh, what would a chaplain have? What would what would exhibit put into the boot of a chaplain's car on Pimp My Ride? I mean, he does have a ride going for him. So, <laughs> in general, like I'm probably leaning to doing the chaplain, traditional chaplain, and the bike. In chapter, chapter colors. style, yeah, and yeah. if your, your chapter colors is bling like crazy, maybe that's an approach. <laughs> yeah, but then you see, my bikes have all got red fairings, so because the rider is obviously already silver, I didn't want to do the bike entirely silver. So the oh, bikes. No. Do you, do you put spoilers on the back? Do you green stuff some spoilers on the back <laughs> of the bike? <laughs> we're, we're we're heading into uh, Fast and the Furious kind of territory here, yeah. aren't we? We're, yeah. we're getting dangerously close, right, folks? I tell you what, um, those of you in the chat, uh, I know there's not a ton of you, but we are going to now start answering your questions. So we're going to move through to the very last part of the cast. Um, this, if it was as I said, a one-on-one -on -one cast, this would be the mailbag section. But uh, but what we're going to do is actually instead of the mailbag, we're gonna we're gonna do a little AMA a little four-way AMA. So if you've got questions, folks, this is the section forum. It's the mailbag. Mm -hmm. Mailbag. Woo. Easy. Easy. I, do you know what? Those scene is, transitions... Is that all the transitions? Yeah. I was I was so nervous nice. about them, and, and I think they've actually just all worked. I think they've actually just all, all happened properly. I, I may have been a little bit too quick on that last one. I may have may have cut off the very last smidge of audio on that last one, but but I think so we did it. I think we did it. Uh, so there were uh, first of all, while everyone else in the chat is uh, thinking if they have any questions to ask, uh, there were a couple of questions that came in from Bone Shredder Gaming that I think we should probably take a look at first of all, uh, just while people kind of figure out what they want to ask. So um, the first one was, you talked earlier about how for Magic you just have to buy new cards uh, if your prior deck gets nerf hammered versus Wargaming where you have to buy and build new models. What effects do you think that has? So the, the kind of amount of um investment i guess being so different you know magic cards are not really a thing that you have much personal attachment to whereas your miniatures are so when your list is affected by a nerf it's obviously a lot more high impact in warhammer um how do we think that that affects people hey goomba welcome to the stream yeah, uh, so i'm sorry like we mentioned earlier like a magic card like if it's unaltered or whatever it's playing piece like in your deck yeah but uh like the purpose of 
a miniature. It's so much more than a playing piece. It's something you poured hours into, you built, you painted, maybe fought a floor to it or whatever it is. So it's so much more than just a playing piece. Mm -hmm. And that's the main difference for me, at least. I think... Like, I wanted... Yeah, I think for me, if, like, I don't know how... So I'm familiar with the way magic cards are banned in, in terms of that game. I don't know how it really works in Warhammer, but if there is a case where they do ban a miniature or nerf it in a way where it's unplayable, you kind of just have a cool model as a display piece instead. Yeah. So you still have some usage for it. Similar with magic cards, like if a card gets banned in a particular format, you can use it in another format and just use it elsewhere. It's all about mileage, right? In your purchasing. Like I can definitely understand why if you're just a competitive tournament player, if that's your only angle to the game, um, and one of your play pieces gets nerfed to the point that you couldn't use it anymore, then, you know, you bought that entire army just as play pieces, and you probably are less invested in how they're painted and, you know, what, what prior work has gone into <laughs> them and that kind of thing. Um, so I can get how that would feel like a big deal to people in that sense, but I also think that that's kind of the nearest analogue to magic, where you just buy a new play piece and quickly chuck some paint on it and it doesn't really matter if you're highly competitive especially in magic you kind of have to accept that these cards may get banned at some point because yeah. you're doing the most positive thing um not to be discouraging but you kind of have to take that as a hit like i'm yeah. doing this super busted thing how long can i do it okay this card's banned nerf whatever i'll do the next busted thing if you want to if you want to live on a razor's edge you might eventually fall off right yeah, this is it. And if you just want to win all the time and do the most optimal thing, I think you just have to take that risk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't think you can have a middle ground. David, so, any thoughts on this? I think so. Like the secondary market really interests me in games. Mm -hmm. But I've worked for a lot of magic companies. I'm very close with my local game store, which is Seven City Collectibles. Yeah, There's my shout out about. Yeah, shout out to Barney. Uh, Actually, me, me and Barney might be doing some uh, some work together fairly soon. So, they're uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely a store worth a shout out. So uh, I've seen like a lot of the secondary market for both games. The nice thing about Warhammer is like I don't know. Suppose your tactical squad gets nerfed in two years. That tactical squad, if you wanted to resell it, will have value to someone. Mm -hmm. Like someone will still want that because it's a tactical squad with magic it's a bit less like i think like the secondary market's a bit different like um it, like i for example i guess like in magic like i like the cards own my cube is like nice versions nice art no spoils mm -hmm. and like there's the story like like i've got cards in my cube that aren't the best card but they lead they're interesting um and i think like what like about nerfs and stuff is like it's about what you're looking for and being really sure you know what you're about and that's hard like you might get into competitive warhammer and decide oh i don't really like playing for nine hours a, a day at tournaments that's too ruling for me but just like i think doing your research and like being aware of like the secondary market like you're just because your army isn't good to you it might be good to someone else like there's a lot of like well, I think Warhammer kind of has that unique thing as well of, you know, like, you can, even if your miniature is, like, fucking caked in paint, even if it is, you know, really objectively badly painted, you can strip miniatures so effectively. 
whether they're plastic, yeah. metal, or resin, you can strip them so effectively now that you can bring them back to good as new plastic. So if you want to resell miniatures after they've been nerfed, as long as you don't mind doing the work to bring them back to a good saleable condition, you will get not much less than retail when you go to sell them back. You know, like a, a 30 quid squad, you'll probably still be able to get 18 to 20 quid for on eBay if you completely strip it and you make sure it's not full of mold lines and shit like that. Because people actually want to buy miniatures that are already built and assembled so they don't have to fucking build and assemble them. <laughs> Whereas like, in Magic the Gathering, a card can literally be banned and the impact that can have is it could be like worth $100 on Monday and literally 10 cents on Tuesday. And so you don't have the option of offloading it. You just have lost 100, you've just lost $100. That's all that's happened there. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, and that never happens with Warhammer. What you spent on it, you can always, if you are willing to take the appropriate actions, you can always get back at least 60, 70% of what you spent on it. 100% of the time. Which is pretty good, like, a common comparison for Magic and, like, the expense of the game is, like, golf. Like, you have to have, like, the right golf clubs and, like, mm -hmm. you need the right card to compete, etc. And, like, Warhammer, like, your stuff is always worth something to someone. Like, yeah. The, the set, like the box of a imperial, the value of a box of imperial guardsmen is never gonna really decrease. They're never gonna get cheaper. Um, so I think that that's like a big thing about like getting nerfed. Like it's not the end of the world if your army gets nerfed. Like someone will want it as long as you like you said, like you do the appropriate steps. Yeah, it's definitely like, fairly low impact. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, and also like from my general perception after being back. Like, of course, there are bad units, but like I said earlier as well, the worst unit, like, it's not the scale isn't Euro to draft Shaft. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the, it's way the, the scale. The scale is like the scale is like Jace Balerin to Jace Architect of Thought. It's like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. both, both are pretty similarly okay. You know, there are going to be times when one is good, one is better than the other, but they're both yeah. pretty similarly decent cards that will course. that will turn up yeah. a lot. People who are cutting edge will want mm. one or the other, of course. But like for most most people that play it on a more casual friendly level, that mm -hmm. yeah, and and even down, even down to things like the Age of Sculpts and stuff like that. You know, I've got. Um, for example, my Terminators are the Assault on Blackreach Terminators. They're not the best sculpts, but, you know, once they're painted nicely, they'll still fucking look good. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so another question from Bone Shredder, which, again, is is another another decent one. Uh, on the reception of rules changes, obviously there was a lot of furore in the community recently about some of the rules changes. Uh, more frustration because of the higher barrier to re-entry. So, like... Is it is it a problem? Is it a problem that if your army from ten years ago still exists, you still have the miniatures? You want to get back into the game, but you find that your ten year old army isn't viable anymore, and you've got to buy a bunch of new miniatures. Uh, is that is that a problem? Is it a problem to have to even replace a squad and have to buy new miniatures? Um, these are things that kind of. It's part and parcel of playing collectible games, you know. Um, not all games can be like chess, where once you have your 16 pieces either side of the board, you have a chess set. Uh, competitive games, you know, 
in order to keep them competitively interesting and even even if we're talking about casual competition even if we're talking about just you know two friends wanting to have a battle for bragging rights um things have to change in order to keep people engaged if if it stays the same forever then you solve it and once it's solved you walk away right it's like a rubik's cube so i mean yeah the low-hanging fruit to uh, uh, fruit answer to this is if you're playing CMOS, it's still the same models but it's <laughs> true it's true your your uh your 2005 eldar army will probably contain almost entirely miniatures that are still current still considered current lines that's that's not oh david's david's gonna go and fetch us some eldar yeah. old hammer now i bet <laughs> um yeah but like you said also um... there we go yep there you go oh, yeah that's a beautiful example oh, i remember those <laughs> yeah I, I had them in metal i had them in metal mm-hmm. mm. yeah. but th- this is this is kind of the thing is you know these um frustrations in the community about rules changes meaning that you need to replace models i'll be honest like as magic players and i say this you know i don't play magic anymore um the other three people in this chat still still play but but as magic players i think we can all say that that it almost seems like it's verging on entitled right to 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 magic players for for the community on mass to like get really fucking upset about having to buy new miniatures because stuff in their army became bad like we're so used to it as magic players and we're we're so used to not having that cushion as well of you know of there being any kind of retained value like if a card gets banned out it's just the value's tanked on it if you if you bought it when it was good and then it gets banned out like you have just lost money there's nothing you can do about it and especially considering like i'm not exactly sure it is now but like the standard is one of the largest magic formats and has been the largest for a long time it's the one they push the most yeah but cards get recycled Mm mm-hmm like I, I would never want that sort of thing for Warhammer, but it it sets the tone in quite a different way. Mm. God, imagine if you can only play with like this two years released models. That would be yeah, I, and I mean, you know, we we kind of have a comparative in Warhammer with the Legends mechanic. Um, what what essentially for those of you that aren't aware, what Legends basically means is that um, whatever the last data sheet that was printed for that miniature is, uh, that's the data sheet now. They're never going to revise it. They're never going to give it a new data sheet. So it's it's special rules um, and its stats are never going to change again now. And, and that's essentially their way of saying we no longer support this miniature, but we acknowledge that you may own it and we don't want you to not be able to use it. Uh, so I think the way it works, and I might be wrong here, but I believe you can't play anything that's got legend status in a tournament, but for casual play, it's just kind of check with your opponent. And that's because they're no longer balancing it for the game. So if it got took out at a point where it was really fucking good, it could end up too good, for example. But also, like, how old is the newest model that got added to the legends? Oh, I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you. But, but it has to be over a decade, right? Probably, yeah, yeah. But but in all truth, um, I do think that the the frustrations when it comes to um, miniatures, you know, no longer being good or or specific units no longer being good, I get it because as we've said several times during this episode, like you put so much more into a miniature than you put into a magic card. Um, there is there's a lot of you in that model 
before it ever touches the table. And so I get why it's frustrating, but turning that frustration into, you know, baying for blood and, and shouting at Games Workshop and getting really pissed off about it, for, for people like us as Magic players, it kind of does look a little bit silly because we go through worse, de rigueur, as part of Magic the Gathering. You know, it's just so normal for Magic. Well, it's, it's the flip side as well, where people, there's been outcries to the point where changes happen. Look at the first Blood Marines. Like, people kicked up a huge stink about those, and then that rule changed. Yeah, yeah, like, so why are they just it, so it, obsolete it, now? It, it kind of works both ways. Like, there are going to be points where something goes wrong, but circumventing that and just outputting it onto the internet is not the answer because firstborn marines being good again now is like fucking the coolest thing ever to it's, me it's, it's a cool flavor yeah. win right it, it, it rewards you for having these super old models that you know some people coming back into the game might want um the end of the day this is going to sound really harsh but games are we're here to make money so they're going to keep continuing to do stuff to make money yeah um, and rules changes are a part of that. Um, at, at the end and, of the day, if they did everything that we moan about, we probably wouldn't continue to have the game because it just wouldn't be profitable. It, 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 this is it. And at what point they're going to keep releasing new models and new rules because they're a business. They want to make money. And if they just stop that and the game just stagnates, there would be no Warhammer anymore. There'll exactly. be nothing else to do. Yeah, and yeah. That is, that would, that's the worst outcome, I think, for the game. And like, it's a common game design thing a lot of time. If you would were to give the community everything they cry about, it would probably be a, shit, a pretty shit game in the end. And yes. I, always, I always think people who shout the loudest are most heard, and they're also the people that are just never going to be pleased. If one thing is solved that they're happy about, there'll be something else that they'll moan about. Because Absolutely. They, it's just this constant, you know, trying to... You can't please people who will never be pleased, so why give it the time, I think, is the point I'm making. It's uh, it's go ahead, David. I think like Warhammer does what's called the Escher Stairway better than any game I've seen. Um, and the Escher Stairway is like the concept of like we're gonna change the power level, but we're gonna do it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And like, so like Tactical Marines being good now is like magic, it's like sorry, Warhammer's Escher Stairway of um, this unit that was good before was it was like bad is now good, and it's like. Yeah, like it sucks when when I played like when the Tyranid players who played in fourth had nine Carnifexes and then fifth came along and they were awful and you wanted the next thing, but then they might be good again. Like, why am I like the stuff is like more eternal? Yeah. Like, and also like you need to think who you're playing with. Like, if you're playing with people, if you're worried about like having the most competitive list or stuff being unplayable, then you're expectations probably actually aren't you're not being true to yourself mm. you actually probably are more concerned about like being competitive and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that like as we've alluded to i'm competitively minded i want to have like a competitive list but that internal but honesty is kind of key to being happy with that thought process isn't it yeah and like i think that and i'm gonna soapbox a bit now um, <laughs> here we go like the competitive player gets like a bad rap and rightly and rightly so, as often are in these things. But, like, as long as a competitive player is honest with themselves and puts themselves in the correct arena and is honest, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you should all, everyone should do what they like in the hobby. That's what makes the hobbies we like good. Like, they're appealing to everyone. Like, 
um yeah like i think that it is frustrating it's also a lot about like i think like looking at warhammer as like the game like 40k as the game is like really interesting like now it's as user friendly as it's probably it can be it's very easy to pick someone up and go you don't need to take your ballistic skill from seven it just hits on a free up that's really easy to explain yeah and like if we have to lose out on some things that people liked in the past that are like oh i really like the game being complex they're probably not acting in the game's best interest they're acting their own interest like complexity doesn't always equal a a winning game design like chess as you mentioned is very popular obviously um in like very complex and stuff like you want people to be able to pick up and play because you need that otherwise as emma said like your game doesn't it doesn't grow like you need people to be able to just like walk into games workshop be demoed a game that's relatively easy to understand right well i suppose the the difference there the comparative with chess is that chess isn't a game that has a business built around it it's it's a game that some businesses produce as a product but it isn't a game that has an entire ecosystem around it whereas you know whether we're talking about warhammer or magic the gathering or you know a lot of the more sort of new wave of board games like zombicide or um blackstone fortress that kind of thing they are there is an ecosystem around them that they're trying to draw you into in order to allow their business model to operate and they complexity in game design is a barrier to entry it's a huge barrier to entry and the way a lot of these businesses survive is new player uptake like that's a lot of what makes these things viable as businesses because at the end of the day if you're a new player it doesn't matter if you don't stick around they still got all of that initial outlay in you setting up right so like money was still made so they have to in order to have an effective business that continues to make money and survive and then can do cool shit that all of us that are long in the tooth are really happy about they have to have things set up in such a way that is attractive to new players yeah, and I mean, chess hasn't had a patch in centuries, so... You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ch- chess is yeah. due some DLC, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of it is down to there is a subsection of Warhammer and the Magic community, or just a subset of people that just like to feel really, really smart. Mm-hmm. So they like these really yeah. complicated things because re- they, they feel really smart for doing it. Whereas that's completely fine. You can feel really smart about it, but it's it's just having that barrier to entry. You want more people to play the game, right? You know, it's, it's a really cool thing just to see. It's been great since like lockdown has happened and everyone's just picking up Warhammer because it's something to do. They they can do at home while they're on furlough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and, it's just seeing it more accessible was really nice. And you're actually just like allowed to do it without having to be, you know, super good at it or super smart or whatever. It's... This is it. And like since so, I came back into the hobby um, recently, and I was into it like five six years ago. Very on and off. I've been into it as a kid, but came in and out of it over over my life and um, what's the great thing about it now is i'm seeing more females play it which yeah. when i first played was not a thing at all like i was the only girl that went to games workshop and i would always get looks because it's like are you buying for your boyfriend or something like that um but yeah it's just the fact that it's more accessible for all genders and you know it's, it's really great to see yeah you gotta love it you gotta love yeah. it yeah, um, right. last week when i was at my gaming club like was a parent bear with his like 10-ish year old little daughter playing the game it was 
It's yeah, fucking it's really great, good. yeah. It's so yeah. nice to see. I, one of the things I love most about, like, I don't go into the GW store that often, um, you know, just purely because I come at the hobby from so many different angles that I don't need to actually enter a GW store every time I want stuff because I don't use GW products for everything that I do. But one of the things that really makes me happy is pretty much every time I walk into a GW store, there's at least a parent with a kid holding hands showing them around the <laughs> hobby. And, yeah. like, can any of us say if, like, I don't know if, if any of us have children, but could any of us say if we had children that um, we would want to take them into an LGS and show them magic in that same way? Like, would there, there, there isn't that kind of, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't feel like the kind of thing that you could kind of get a kid excited about and, you know. And because you, if you like in a in a non-COVID environment, you a lot of LGS's stock starter decks, which are these little thirty card decks that you can pick up, and they're for, for people who are curious about magic but don't want to spend any money on it. And you teach them the game with these decks. Um, you put two of them together, um, of different colors, and they make a sixty-card deck. And you can teach people the game. And if I like, if, if for instance, if I had children, that's something I would do. Just be like, here's how to play this game. And if not into it that's completely fine i'm not gonna throw that onto them of because course yeah it's something I do. but just at least opening and normalizing it is a good way to do i i think warhammer is more interesting because there's models there's more of an aesthetic to it compared to magic mm -hmm. and the painting aspect is some is more engaging than just like beating your son or daughter at a game of magic sure um yeah. right so like in the sorry for dragging you on but uh, yeah, when i worked at the magic shop like usually we become like even people in charge of used centers and stuff and mm. like we generate a lot of bulk in general like you take taking collections and you add 10 percent of it to your stock and the rest is like sitting in boxes so we just like give cards away by a kilo mm. and uh like they appreciated a lot a lot of kids come in and we just throw bulk at them and mm -hmm. they're super happy about that as well yeah like, i think getting a kid engaged in any of those sort of activities is great really no matter magic. the activity well, magic's really good because it teaches basic maths as well yeah and, and to say in english like you have all these flavor texts you learn all these different kind of words that mm. you don't you don't often hear so like i found out what ineffable meant the other day because it's on a planeswalker and yeah. like that's a really cool word like i'm gonna start using that um it just it, it teaches you like these basic arithmetic as well one, one of the things i think about any of these nerd culture hobbies um is that you know introducing kids to to them is not only is it so beneficial to like the development of a child but um you know we i'm gonna really sound like a fucking old man here and there's there's just not really any other way i can do it but you always do <laughs> we uh we live in a world where like kids if they're not kept occupied a lot of the the trappings of the modern world are quite dangerous for a child now and i think we all know that you know we all see it in the news we all maybe have had family members affected by it shit like that um it ain't the nicest world for kids to grow up in right now and giving them hobbies like this that keep them occupied whilst teaching them useful skills whilst helping them grow their confidence whilst giving them access to a social circle of like-minded people this that's a really fucking powerful beautiful thing you can do for a developing human yeah. and like 
so it, it always to me seems really important that that these games have some kind of attractive method of entry for kids um even if they're not necessarily fully aimed at kids just something to kind of make kids go oh when i'm old enough i want to play that you know those, those them their magic cards look real good <laughs> <laughs> just anything like and, that yeah you can extend it to dnd as well it's like if you have a mm -hmm. kid that has confidence mm -hmm. issues you can introduce like role play just to make them comfortable around other people in like social environments there's just so many ways you can go about it and just introducing these kids to like D&D, Warhammer and Magic. It's just a really good stepping stone. Absolutely. Think. Yeah. yeah. So, I um, think it's also... Go on. Um, I mean, I was going to, like, say that when, as Stuart knows, when I started dating the love of my life, Michelle, um, she had, she was like, oh, I don't like games. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're smart. Like, been smart people, like, and games are fun, so that, you must not have played any. And as we, we spoke, and she was like, yeah, I've played Monopoly. I'm like, okay, th these aren't games. Yeah, these yeah, are like, yeah. <laughs> this is like, this is Overwatch. This is World of Warcraft. This is Magic. This is um, a Nintendo Switch. Right? And like watching her develop like through um, like the, even like as an adult. And like, well, I think we've all probably developed as adults through, I'm doing a podcast with two strangers and Stuart. Is the strangest of us all. But, um, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Like it's awesome, and it's like a really nice thing, like of the hobby. And like, I think it's great to see that, like, you can teach. Like um, Emma, my girlfriend, relates a lot to like she when she went to games workshop to buy things for herself. It was like, oh, is this for your boyfriend? And she'd be like, no, it's for me. What an idiot! Like, yeah. Um, and like she said, like it was very. We went to a GP together, which is a big. Uh, for people who don't know, it's a big, like, huge magic event with yeah. thousands of people. And she was like, wow, this is amazing. This is, like, the coolest thing ever. Why is this card worth two grand? And it's like, oh, well. Like, That's a different story. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. But it's like, um, I think it's really cool, like, getting to see someone discover games mm. in, like, a later point in life. That like, wide-eyed wonderment. Yeah, like, this is a tyranny. And she was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like... Yeah, are these like it's awesome and i i, I feel a deep sense of human connection with that spiky insectoid monster yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's it's definitely like... something you have to watch with tyranid players okay they know something we don't yeah i'm true <laughs> I, thought, I thought i was the lizard brain yeah. um yeah it's awesome to see and like i think that back to the original question that we probably segued light years from like if the games now can get more people in because you're slightly inconvenienced you need to kind of get over yourself a bit absolutely like yeah, yeah. not in a not in a calling anyone out kind of way but just no, in, no, you know just but in like, a like that's an important step in your in your personal development is to to learn to sacrifice a small amount for yourself in order to benefit a huge amount to a broader range of people yeah like i used to get upset when i didn't reprint man leak in every set of magic yeah me I too realized, man me too well, Maybe the game's better if it's about creatures. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe casting spells is fun for some people. I don't know. Yeah, like weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually think this is where Warhammer has benefited more recently than Magic. Warhammer's done such a better job of actually like captivating new players with their relatively yeah. simple but not powerful thing. Like, I think it's very easy to get people hooked onto like On high power, power level. Yeah, it is. It's like 
oh, well, I've just picked up my magic. I've just picked up magic and I can make Uro and Omnath. Well, I don't really need to think about that. I mean, let, look, let, so... let's be let's be realistic here, right? If you are developing magic sets, I don't think it's a big leap to say that developing powerful cards is probably quite a lot easier than developing cards that are thematically interesting or that yeah. are, yeah. you know, captivating to people on a, on a deeper level than than just you know the the surface power aspect. Um, it, the the accusation that is being thrown around in in Wizards of the Coast direction at the moment a lot is that game design has gotten lazy, and I think you have to at least on some level be compelled to agree when you look at how much game designers leaned towards power rather than cards being thematically deep or mechanically interesting or you know it's um it's become so much of a thing that the the chase cards in a set are not i, I mean you know take take a look at a, a card like snapcaster mage for example um it's obviously a powerful card but in today's world is it even that good anymore? Not in modern. But, like, but, uh, playable, but it's not the, 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 the best option anymore. At, at the time that Snapcaster Mage came out, we weren't... It wasn't its power level that made every single person look at it and go, that's so fucking cool. It was the fact that it was so mechanically interesting. It was the, fa it was the fact that it allowed you to pick which spell had flashback, which that set was the first time we had that. That set was the first time where we had any cards that where we had agency over which spells get gained flashback. Uh, prior to that, flashback was just baked into the card. If it wasn't on the card, the spell didn't get flashback. Yorgmoth's will, notwithstanding, which is not really the same thing. Um, uh, yeah. And uh. that that depth of mechanical interest, the number of play avenues that that card opened up, was what made it so fucking good. Fast forward of the modern era where we're talking about Oko which is obviously the card we have to make a comparison to and it's like yeah this is really fucking good because it costs three mana destroys your opponent's best thing you know generates beneficial resources for you it's just you know it's just three mana this does everything that I need a card to do fucking great yeah everyone's gonna play it it's like yeah, plus there was all the internet first of the fact that literally every single person wanted to fuck Oko yeah of I think course. like <laughs> big like i think that's actually another thing warhammer has with like the expanding range now like yeah as a xenos player it sucks that my models are from 2004 yeah that's not great but like i definitely believe in the direction games workshop are going mm -hmm. i like if they just have to hard reset everything for like a new age of the game that's what's a good thing and you can still play your models like if they release some cool new super mega dark reapers that's cool. I'll still have my old ones. I'll play both. And the thing is, even when we talk about resetting and shit like that, if the old version was that fucking good, people will keep it alive. Um, yeah. Warhammer Fantasy still has a huge community, and they and they play. I think it's called like Warhammer Legacy. I don't. I actually know what the name is. I'm just making that up. Oh, um, world something something. But it's, it's, it's like no page and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but what what, what they've essentially done is just uh, accumulated all of the best rules from Warhammer Fantasy and turned them into this one new yeah, amalgamated right. edition. And a community keeps it alive, much like how Commander used to be in Magic the Gathering, where it was just a community-maintained thing before Wizards decided to stick their claws in it because they realised they could make money off it. Um, <laughs> and the same thing is true of Horus Heresy, for example. Horus Heresy is its not an officially supported rule set anymore. They still make miniatures for it, but they're not really 
doing any actual updates to the game itself, but it still has a fucking huge successful community and a massive fan base and popularity. Um, and so, you know, if these hard resets have to happen, like it, it doesn't break anything for anyone. It doesn't, it doesn't ruin anything. Um, you still get to play your game. You just have to look a little harder for opponents, maybe. <laughs> but you know, yeah, or even Warhammer Epic or whatever it's called. Epic Forty K. Yeah, it was called. It yeah, was originally called yeah. Epic. And then, epic. Yeah. I had Epic. And I think my understanding is that has has gotten a huge pickup due to like three D printing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's no official support at all. <clears throat> yeah, but like you know, Epic I think has had. So there was there was Epic, which was in the nineties, and then there was Epic Forty K, which was in the early two thousands, and then I don't think it ever got touched again after that, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. Um, so you know, you're talking nearly twenty years old game that's been unsupported for that long. Necromunda is another great example. A lot of people just really prefer the original Necromunda to the remake in twenty seventeen, and there are a bunch of people out there that still play original Necromunda and don't use the twenty seventeen rule set. You know. Yeah. Uh, or like I nagged on about the magic format I play the most is a super local one yeah. <laughs> where we yeah it's it's uh, very sort of like Sweden centric isn't it? it yeah or even Gothenburg centric really wow wow <laughs> Highlander Gold play it it's the best <laughs> but um yeah this is kind of the thing is that we've spent a lot of time on this question but but you know yeah. the 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 important thing to realize here is that um what you are losing from change is generally subjective and that what might feel like quite a big loss to you um in the grand scheme of things may not actually be as big as you feel like it is uh but it could also open up massive new opportunities and windows for for other people to benefit from uh so, so you know when it when it comes to the the feels bads and the and the backlash to to changes i think we just need to try and temper that a little bit with understanding uh so Next question in the chat, and I know Drawling has left now, but knowing Drawling as well as I do, he'll probably re-watch the, uh, the part that he missed anyway, so I want to answer the question. Uh, Drawling asks, is a hot dog a sandwich? And, uh, and I actually have uh, what I think is a very clever answer to this, so I'm going to go last. <laughs> is, um... is a hot dog a sandwich, folks? Sure, why not? I don't know. It's, it is whatever you want it to be. How it about, doesn't matter. It's a good food, and it's a very good comfort food when you're feeling under the weather. We, we yeah. had hot dogs for dinner the other day. I, I, I'm actually a huge mm -hmm. fan of the hot dog. But I also think that I can, um, I think that I can answer this question definitively. Okay. So a sandwich is defined as uh, food that is enveloped on both sides by bread. By two pieces of bread, okay? So for something to be a sandwich, bonk, for something to be a sandwich, it has to be bread filling bread, right? We can all no, agree. No, 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 no. Open-ended sandwiches are sandwiches. What the fuck's an open-ended sandwich? Where you only have bread on one side. Like, that's the default sandwich. An, you, you mean know, an open-faced like sandwich? Open-faced, yeah, that, yeah, That's yeah, just topped barrier. bread. That's just topped bread, man. Come on. It's yeah, yeah. not a sandwich. Bread, butter, cheese, that's the default breakfast sandwich. No, don't, don't sandwich. fuck around, Fonzie. Come on, don't fuck around. A, sa a no. sandwich is commonly accepted by most people as being bread-filling bread. In the UK, maybe. All right, well, look, Drawling's <laughs> from the UK, okay? I happen to know him in real life. <laughs> So, all right, look, here's, the, here's what I think is the definitive answer. Sometimes when you buy a hot dog bun, it is scored and the sausage sits in the score. That's not a sandwich. However, sometimes when you buy a hot dog bun, it's not cut at all and you have to cut it yourself. If you cut it all the way through, 
then you've got bread filling bread and then it's a sandwich so maybe it's like maybe it's like shroding a sandwich it can both be a sandwich and not a sandwich at the same time just depending on how or you it cut just, it or it could just be called a hot dog yeah or, or, or it could just be its own thing yeah. or this question true or this question could have just been is horrible a very <laughs> cleverly framed way to cause us all to argue maybe Jarling is actually a secret genius and that's why he left before we answered <laughs> uh, there were also a couple of comments uh, that were worth noting uh, Goomba said that they've taken their kids to a commander night at their local gaming store well before all of this so that's good to know it's good, it's good to know that my perception of magic being uh, kid friendly is perhaps a little inaccurate uh, and, and Mossy made the comment a little while back that um, the grim, the grim darkness of the fortieth uh, or forty-first millennium is nicer than the current world, which is unfortunately <laughs> kind of true. <laughs> kind of true. It's it's, uh, it's definitely a damning tale of current affairs when escaping to a world of absolute bitter evil darkness is uh, preferable to to focusing on reality, isn't it? Yeah pretty pretty sad pretty sad but let's not go out on a sad note because we've we've had a really fucking good time with this i think uh, i hope hope yeah, everyone everyone present has had fun with it sorry yeah great uh, so look um we've been going for for two hours and 20 minutes it's, it's been quite a long one but we knew it'd be quite a long one with four of us so so let's wrap it up uh tradition dictates now that uh, i mean We've had 10 episodes. Does anything count as a tradition? But but I'm going to say tradition dictates that uh, as we as we say goodbye to the audience and, and thank them all for watching, that we all do our silliest wave at the camera while I press the uh, the end stream button. So thank you for watching, everyone. I hope you enjoyed you this uh, community episode of My Big I'm Fat Mouth. Oh, you, uh, that's not fair. You can't use Scar. For those of you that are listening to this in, in, in audio format, Fonzie currently has his cat on his lap, and his cat is one of the it's most beautiful. Very, very fluffy cat. Extremely yeah. fluffy cat. So, folks, thank you so much for watching, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> Your cat is